Hello, everyone, and welcome to Real Talk, episode 54. We have three guests with us today from the Looks Like a Movie podcast. we got Kevin, a.k.a. K. Meeks, Doug, a.k.a. Reservoir Dugs, and Mr. Owen Hates Movies himself <laughs> on the podcast this week. Um, we got we got a fun episode for you all, so we're recording this a week ahead of time because I'll be out of time next weekend, so we're kind of bashing up some episodes. So right now when you're listening to this, we're two hours away from the kickoff of football season, NFL season, so... We're all we're all pretty amped about that, except maybe Seth and George. But I, I, I think I think the looks I like might. movie pod boys are certified NFL fans. I'm clapping Cam in fantasy this week. <laughs> yeah, it's it, we we are all yeah all of us are in the film talk fantasy football league. So it, high stakes going down today once the season kicks off. But um, yeah, today we got a fun episode. We're gonna be going over M Night Shyamalan. It's like an M Night Shyamalan special. We're gonna go over his entire filmography and then gonna kind of end it off with just. Some interesting stuff to pick the brains that looks like a movie pod guys because truly you guys like have such a unique take on films and like have really opened my eyes and stuff and like messaging you guys and talking with you guys has been super great for me. Like I've just learned so much from you all. And uh, yeah, I just kind of want to go over. I, I kind of put it in as like the great movie debate, high versus low scores, but the, it's not a debate <laughs> because I, I, I'm I'm of the opinion where like no one should ever have to justify like a high or low rating for a movie because it's just like art and it's subjective. So it's not like a debate, but it's just going to be like interesting to hear like movies you guys rate super high that maybe some of us rate super low or vice versa and just kind of talk about like maybe what's the reasoning, which it doesn't have to yeah. be some like analytical thing. It can literally just be like. Yeah, it's just not a movie I enjoy. You know, just as simple we'll as that. We'll get there to talk debate. about M Night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we will. We will it's certainly true. get that. True. I'm sure this will be a very tame conversation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then, then I just want to pick your guys' brains on what your favorites of the year and kind of least favorites of the year are, which kind of like just get a gauge of uh, of the guests we have on to see kind of what their favorites of 2023 so far have been. So that's the episode today. So we're obviously going to kick it off with the M Night filmography, but first I just want to kick it over to you guys for introducing yourself. So I mean, I gave you a quick little spiel, but like maybe favorite movie or director of yours not like you know just like a quick little you know type of stuff like first day of class we're going around the room say a little fun fact <laughs> plug who your are pod you too. plug the pod yeah, tell plug us where your we can pod find you. plug us where you can find you all that all that nonsense we'll start off with uh, with k meeks yeah I, saying first day of class makes makes me think of all the times that i had to name my favorite movie on the first day of phone classes <laughs> And everybody gave me a look when I said 10 things I hate about you. It's still 10 things I hate about you. It's a great um, movie. Yeah, big romance guy over here. Um, my my TikTok is K-Meeks Film. Um, my letterbox is just K-Meeks. Uh, favorite director. It, I guess. Favorite director. My favorite director. Yeah, favorite director. Oh, gosh. Um, I don't really have one. Just name I just the like first one that comes Bong, to Bong Joon-ho, Spike Lee, maybe. Yeah, I think most likely. I thought you said that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. real game. Where, where are you based out of? If you, you don't say you don't dox I'm I'm based out of New Jersey. Jersey, okay. I'll tell you that in a satellite. Everybody, everybody, make fun of New Jersey now. <laughs> that's the time. No, 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 no. We'll make fun of you when you say that it's better than New York. No, you. Right. <laughs> it is, but that's a conversation for another time. I don't want to get George riled up yet. Pro probably one of the few that. things you and Alex Coleman have in common. Yeah, yeah. Being yeah. from yeah. New Jersey. He's very New Jersey, by the way. I'm not, I'm, not very, I'm not very New Jersey. He's very New Jersey. Bro, every time he comes to New York, the only thing he's doing is complaining about New York. That's it. That's all he does. Yeah. <laughs> Doug. Hello. Uh, my name's Doug. Um, my at on Letterboxd is Doug Holler. Um, Wait, it's not Reservoir Dogs anymore? You changed it? No, that's, that's TikTok. That's TikTok. TikTok. Yeah, oh, just, that's just yeah, TikTok. Um, my favorite movie is The Piano Teacher. My favorite director mm -hmm. is Igmar Bergman. 
Um, I also like Terrence Malick. I also like uh, other guys. I like M. Night. M. Night's up there, too. Uh, <laughs> no. uh, I'm based out of Omaha. I'm a host of the Looks Like a Movie podcast. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, which which just to pimp your guys' pod even more. So, God, it's probably been a while now, but both Seth and I have guest starred on it. But it's been probably I don't know because I was on for Air, which is like half a year ago. At this I point. was on for Twixt. Yeah, interesting yeah. film. Yeah, our most listened to episode is Twixt. Twixt. Talking about Twixt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Owen, how about you? Um, so I'm a sophomore. Um, in high school. <laughs> yeah, in high school. Uh, <laughs> I like lunch and gym. <laughs> favorite lunch. Favorite lunch. <laughs> favorite Amazing. lunch. Uh, the pizza here is really good. That's probably um, not true. No, it's not. <laughs> not, way. not true. Um, I don't know. M Night's definitely up there. Like, if we're not gonna talk about M Night, um, Brian De Palma is someone that I really like. Um, I I kind of did this recently. Um, it for class, and everyone was talking about the Ahsoka show. And I mentioned Harmony Corinne's Trash Humpers, which got a couple looks. Way this film. <laughs> way um, this film. Yeah, I don't know. I like um, a lot of stuff I, we're going to talk about today. But one random thing I can pull. Oh, I guess Jerry. I can talk about Jerry. I really like Jerry. <laughs> Gus Van Sant's Jerry. Well, don't you only have one five-star film on Letterboxd? I think you I have two, I have two, two, two. Oh, two. It's two. Jerry and an American Wedding in London. Wales. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember I remember Jerry on your first watch was a four point five, but I forgot you elevated it to a, a five. Yeah, well, yeah. like I think I saw American Werewolf like six times before I gave it five stars, and then Jerry yeah, was something like that. Yeah, like I don't. I just I'm not, had to make sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not. I I don't know. I rate things weirdly. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, don't you do. say. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> Which we'll, we'll we'll get into at, at the later point of the podcast. I'm reinventing but... this system. <laughs> We're, uh, we'll get into M. Night's filmography now. So I thought instead of doing like, because basically the way we normally done director rankings on here is we all go around and kind of give like our like 10 through 6 and go 5, 1, 4, 3. But I feel like that's not the best way to actually like discuss the movies because then we have someone in their sixth spot talking about one movie that someone's going to talk about the two and it's just a like right. fragments discussion. So I think we just roll through M. Night's filmography from beginning to present, just going oh, yeah. movie by movie and talking about it. And then we'll kind of... And then at the, at the very end, once we finish up, you know, all the way through Knock at the Cabin, we'll we'll kind of go around and kind of say like what our rankings are from like whatever to because I, I don't think all of us have completed the filmography completely. He has two earlier films, well, especially Praying with Anger is, is a more niche film that definitely not a lot of people have seen. Whereas Wide Awake is a movie a lot of people kind of forget about. Um, but yeah, so M Night's filmography. We'll start off with Praying with Anger. Probably going to go a little quicker here from 1992. Technically his debut. He was probably like I think like 22 when he he wrote this, directed this, and acted in it. I think he was younger, straight up. Even younger, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So who here has seen it? I know I've I watched it two days ago. I think uh, it's just me and you, gamer. Okay, okay. So <laughs> what what do you have it rated? I didn't think I saw it on your letterboxed. I think I gave it two and a half. Let me see. Um, yes, okay, you gave it two and a half, which is the same as I gave it actually. Yeah, it's I mean it's not a bad movie, but it's like it's a you know it's a it's like a micro budget movie about a kid going to india you know it's it's fine it's okay it's like there's like it's it's so um it's very much like oh this is like a guy that's still in college making his first movie um and it's pretty good for that you know but that's that's just what it is there's not a whole lot to 
there's not, there's not a whole lot to talk about really unless you want to talk about a movie like that you know like well d- did you watch it on youtube or how did you see i it? watched it on youtube i wa- it was I like think that's it was like the like only way like 280p it. it was so bad yeah, <laughs> 280p might even like be general 4K, like <laughs> yeah it was it was rough Right, honestly, uh, yeah, like, yeah, that's what that's what I said in my letterbox. Was like, I feel like this is like what Criterion Collection is like for. Like, the reason it was like invented was to like preserve cinema, and I feel like M Night Shyamalan is like more than well established at this point to where like his debut should be like restored and like yeah. published out there for people. Um, I don't know if like Criterion Collection works with the directors and like they have to kind of be like, yeah, I want this redone, and maybe I feel like he would. I don't know. I feel I I liked it honestly more than I would have expected because I didn't like Wide Awake, which is his second film. So I was kind of like, oh, maybe it's yeah. just the first couple films he wasn't really honing in. Which obviously, like you said, it, it does feel very amateur at times, but also not really. And from a technical aspect, in terms of like cinematography and like camera work, it's kind of hard to really analyze this one because it is like like 280p is being generous for like the only way you can watch this like it's really grainy and i think i had to zoom in on my it was it's a tough watch on youtube that needs to be restored but the story itself i thought it was like deeply personal um Mm -hmm. very very intimate like discussion of like him like where he's belonging like he's obviously grappling with being an american but he's going back to india and having to deal with the different cultures and and really basically seeming like a fish out of water when he goes over there and just how, how that kind of impacts him. Cause obviously he's like yeah. talking about like American football and all the, all these American things where they're all, their culture is obviously completely different. So it's just kind of him as a young filmmaker and young person kind of understanding that. And I don't know, do you happen to know if this is semi autobiographical? I was about like, to this, say that. Is this it how is. he met his wife? Uh, it... I don't know if it's how he met his wife, but I do know that when he was really young, um, there there were like some event that happened in his life i'm pretty sure that made him be like oh like i have to go back home like 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 you know like my or like my parents home you know and i have to like go back to india and i have to like uh like reground myself like that happened to him in like real life um and he like did that um and that's when he made this movie uh so i don't know but yeah as far as like I, I can't really say like I recommend it to everyone to watch just simply like purely because of like, just how like a brutal the viewing experience is with the YouTube video that's out there. So I hope it gets like a DVD release. But if you're like a huge M. Night fan, I would recommend it because I definitely think he's made worse movies, which we'll talk about or just like movies that aren't as interesting. Like I think Wide Awake, like it, I don't think Wide Awake's his worst movie. We'll jump into that right now, I guess. But I think it's kind of like his least interesting movie, at least. Um, but yeah, well, six years later, after Praying with Anger, he releases Wide Awake which is definitely more of a, I mean, it wasn't a massive like blockbuster. I'm not saying that, but it was, it was way more widespread than praying with anger was, uh, which was, was more of like kind produced of his, by Harvey uh, Weinstein. Yeah. Was it just him or was it by the well, bros? That's, that's what I think it kind of is, is that is more of uh, his Harvey Weinstein. It's the bros, but movie. it's like, yeah, like, that's a Harvey Weinstein production more than an M night production. Oh, yeah. which is so like, wide awake. Have we, I, I feel like maybe we've all seen, I oh, haven't too. seen it. I don't think the three no, of us have no, seen it. It's just, no, it's just, just you. Oh, yeah, it's just, just me. Just us two this time. Just yeah. us two. All right. Well, what what are your thoughts on it? Because we I, we both also like Doug and I gave praying with anger both two and a half, and we me and you both gave this one a one. So yeah. we're, we're we're lined up here. You said it's not his worst movie. I do think it's his worst movie that I've okay. seen at least. Praying with anger is the only one I haven't seen. But um, I, I saw in your review you said it was boring i think that's kind of just like the best way to describe it like it's not there's just it's just a boring movie i forgot most of what happens in it it's really just not like an m night movie when you compare it to the rest of his filmography 
I forgot most of what happened in it. Like, and I watched it two days ago. Like, it's just one of <laughs> <Yeah>. those movies. <laughs> which, like, you watch one of those movies every once in a while where like, it's just everything that's happening on the screen just goes in one eye and out the other. And it's just like, it, this movie happened to me and I just like finished it. I was like, yeah. I didn't get anything from that. Um, I'm going to see if like I wrote anything in my review that has any sort of logic to it, but I think I just made fun of the title being ironic. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. Awake. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, I guess that's why I haven't really rushed to see it because my understanding of it is just very M night is really young and Harvey Weinstein is in control and he doesn't really have much say. And it's like, yeah. okay, maybe I'll check it out one day, but it's like there less of an M night movie than it is a studio kind of telling a young filmmaker what to do. Yeah, if I sure. remember correctly, there is a twist in the movie, but I've forgotten the movie so much that I don't know what it is. But <laughs> but I know there was something that was surprising about it. Um, either, yeah, either I mean, for, for the most part, it was just like a, a movie and a story we've seen like hundreds of times, like a classic, like a young boy just kind of living carefree in the world. And then something happens, like a pivotal moment happens in life. And then it's kind of like. You know, you kind of have to grow up. You're like, oh, the the world's not this happy place where everything's sunshine and rainbows. It's there's serious consequences, and and then you kind of end the movie with him accepting all those around him, uh, similar to Brother Bear. Honestly, shout out we reviewed that last <laughs> week. You know, you kind of you kind of go through life carefree. Something happens, you get turned into a bear, and you realize, you know, we're not all enemies. Yeah. We're all just we're all just trying to live in this world together. I would um, love to turn into a bear, voiced by Walking Phoenix. <laughs> i mean i can't can't disagree with that um i kevin i don't have anything else on wide awake i yeah, think we can dive I, into more it's, it's, it's exciting very much a nothing films. movie i think we could go we, i think we can move yeah. on yeah so is it his best film next is it his best film next i'm sure some uh, people think no no it's, oh is it no it's <laughs> not it's most <laughs> commonly cited as his best film. yeah i think on imdb it's his highest but that's the, the sixth sense from 1999 so oh, one shit. year after yeah, wide yeah, awake yeah, 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 yeah. He, he got busy with three movies and back-to-back-to-back years um so the sixth oh, sense well this us. one i mean i'm i'm basically positive we've all seen this one but i'll, I'll let someone else take it away since i've been talking a ton so i'm, I'm gonna get out with seth seth tell, tell us your thoughts on sixth sense yeah i think sixth sense is good um i remember this being kind of my favorite for uh a long while, I think this is kind of one of his most accessible films in terms of his pretty much kind of generic thriller horror. I think Bruce Willis is great. When I watched it again, uh, I think I watched it again like a year ago for the first time in a few years. It doesn't quite have the same impact emotionally as some of his other films. Um, mainly for me, his two films that came after this, Unbreakable and Signs, which obviously we'll speak about. But I don't know, I think Safe Sense is really good. Um, I think I would assume it's mostly like his most seen as his best by the general audience i think anyway it's his um, highest uh, rated on letterbox with a 4.0 it's still his highest rated on letterbox yeah okay, interesting um but yeah i really like it i think i think it's good i think it's solid a good piece of storytelling it obviously has the twist that made him so famous around that time and really propelled him into hollywood but i i still think it's very good but it's kind of slipped down my rankings the more i've watched it over time because now i appreciate more of his emotionally intricate works like his you know um following two films but i still think yeah. it's i still have it rated a, a four out of five anyway so still really high I think that the sixth sense is. I think we can kind of. Jesus. Uh, I think we can kind of break um, and night into like eras, and I think the sixth sense is kind of like the beginning of like the golden era in the general public's eye. Of like yeah, this was like this is like this guy is like the next Steven Spielberg is like kind of what people were talking about, and I think it's like uh, then his like starting with the sixth sense, like his next four movies are like when he is like, like the highest public opinion. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Yeah, Sixth Sense, I just watched it for the first time a couple days ago, which is, I was really impressed with it purely because it's it's almost like, like I compared it to this in my letterbox review, like the Darth Vader being Luke, or 
Darth Vader being Luke Skywalker's father, where it's like pretty much everyone, even if you haven't seen the movie, knows like the twist at this point. It's just so so ingrained into pop culture that it just everyone yeah. kind of knows the Sixth Sense twist. So knowing that going into it, I still like was very impressed with how much I enjoyed it because a lot of times, if you know the big big reveal of a movie, you can kind of go into it and be like, oh, it kind of lost some of its gravity or its weight. But uh, I, I truly came away with it really enjoying it. I thought like Haley Joel Osment, I thought was kind of like the standout for me. Honestly, I thought he was like super great yeah. as a kid actor. That's, that's an um, all-time child performance. Yeah, all-time He's child great in AI as well. I think he's even better in AI. Do you like uh, AI? I thought you would It's like my it. favorite Spielberg film. I was going to, you're not a big Spielberg fan, are you? But like, yeah, I, I don't really love like it, it either. This uh, Sixth Sense is second to last on my M. Night ranking, and I still like it. Um, for me, this is M. Night at his most conventional. I think yeah. this is M. Night showing that, hey, I can make a really good movie in the most conventionally way possible. I think he really changed. Like, that twist is really big and popular, but I think the movie is very conventional. Um, and I think he's, like, basically, it's like a painter showing that he can do realism and that he can make a photo and painting look real. Um, he is showing that he is a good filmmaker here. And I think it is a good movie. It's just um, like the, one of the more less, uh, least interesting movies for me. Uh, but I think it is still really good. It just, it, um, it's one it's not, for the general audience. There's not really many risks he took. Yeah, it well, it's, well with that's the what it is. Audience. He's a young filmmaker. He's trying to be like, oh, I can do the really, movie. I can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do it. Um, and he's showing that he can do it. So therefore, he can take more risks in the future. Uh, and the more risk he's taking in the future are more interesting to me. But I still think this is really good. Um, I remember seeing this like very young and leaving an impression on me, but now it's not my favorite, but I still really like it. Like I like all these films. Actually, it's third to last, I think. Do we want to cover as well, like when we go over them, do we want to cover where they actually land in our rankings as well? Yeah, like, sure. You, can, you so, can touch on that. Six Sense, I think is like fourth or fifth. It's fourth. It's fourth for me. So it's still really high. It's still really yeah. high. Yeah, I have it at, I actually have it at tied for one right now with Unbreakable, but I haven't seen a couple of his films still. So I, I don't, know where i'll ultimately end up but i really enjoyed it but it was only on first watch for me whereas a couple of these i've seen a couple of times so i'll be really, really interested to see how this lands when i revisit it george where did where does six cents <laughs> land for you yeah it's it's my third uh highest ranked uh m night movie but my top five are all three and a half out of fives um so it's really that's nasty work. I'm not gonna lie. I, listen, no, you you knew you knew this. You, going, you expected this. You knew movie. this going into That's this podcast gross. that I'm not a big M Night That's fan, gross. but I do. I I love the uh, the Sixth Sense, or I won't say love. I really like the Sixth Sense for for kind of the reasons that Owen says he disliked them. Um, at this point in his career, M Night has obviously taken a ton of risks, and it's no secret that they don't necessarily work for me. Um, so I like the sixth sense that this is just him kind of appealing to a massive general audience in terms of his storytelling. He's not trying to, you know, give you something like a knock at the cabin or, uh, or an old where he's just not giving you any information. He's very much holding your hand throughout the sixth sense as a storyteller. And given the risks that this man has taken throughout his career, I kind of appreciate the fact that this is just... This feels like his most tame outing uh, of all of his filmography right there with like a split. Um, So yeah, this is my third highest ranked, um, but it's all of my top five, like I said, are all three and a half out of fives. Um, So The Sixth Sense is like super famous for the plot twist. And I think The Sixth Sense is such like a famous movie that it kind of like made m night's whole identity be like the plot twist guy well, even though he's not yeah. um, <laughs> i wanted to ask you about um, you guys about that like what you think about the, the obviously like um, the Shyamalan twist i think we had a twitter discourse about this like 
a month or two ago where like, I said like Shyamalan's one of the only like household names yeah, yeah, yeah. purely because of the yeah. Shyamalan twist that like everyone knows him even if they even if you don't know like M Night's even his first name but they're like oh Shyamalan twist or you know <laughs> beginning of his name but uh, I yeah. was kind of gonna ask you guys do you think it boxed him in to where like he forced twists in his upcoming films because he th- he was like that guy or do you think he just truly loves no, like i don't i think I there's only i think there's only two movies m night was ever forced to make um and they're both movies you guys don't like um <laughs> yeah, uh, uh yeah i think last it's like last airbender and after earth yeah, are the only yeah. movies he was every other movie he had like complete like yeah. full creative control like he only made because he thought it was a really good movie well, and wide, wide, wide awake but i mean yeah. from oh yeah the, other than wide awake era, yeah those yeah. Yeah. those like yeah. wide awake yeah. isn't really forced it's more of yeah. like i gotta make yeah money. he has to make a living yeah <laughs> would you consider that like wide awake to be like fincher's alien 3 for example that kind of or lynch's dune but I it's would, really Owen likes yeah. yeah yeah Owen loves i would alien see 3. it i would see it as like a more like a lesser thing than that even okay lynch's like, lynch's Lynch yeah. dune then for me would be not like, even would, that would be, i i think no. it's just like I don't even know what I would compare it to because it's just such it's a just low, like a like concept. it's like a like, Disney Channel movie that he yeah got. I would say know. it's like <laughs> Greg Mason's superheroes, the superheroes. I don't no, even no, know what that is. No, I don't know. That's actually that probably makes it a good comparison. I think like if, what Kevin said is like if someone was tasked to make like a High School Musical movie. Like the first one, the guy who made the first High School Musical movie, and then he went on to make like an Oscar-winning movie. That's how we would talk about the High School Musical movie. Like it's just a, it's just a for hire, like, you know, for a kids bis- movie. A little disrespectful you know? to High School Musical, but that's okay. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm not talking about equality though. I'm talking about like <laughs> gen- who's who's it for, you know, the budget, and you know, it's just a random kids movie <laughs> that yeah. he made to get money. Yeah, he needed to put food on his table. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's not really like a Dune thing where it's like this you know book and he's got you know big ideas and it, it's really just him yeah because like dune's <laughs> interesting too because it's like uh like because lynch also like picked dune um out of a hat because lynch was like oh yeah i don't want to make fucking return of the jedi i want to go direct dune <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well yeah, at this great, at this point in m night's career after the sixth sense this was the second highest grossing film of 1999 just behind star wars so obviously you're not gonna top that but almost 700 million dollars the box office so obviously after this he very much so became a director that's so much money. That's that crazy. everyone that's crazy. I didn't realize everyone had on the radar after the sixth sense and he he followed it up immediately with unbreakable the year after reprising actor bruce willis once again in his film this is tied for me with my favorite amongst m night um huge fan i know i know Seth's also really high in it too we've talked about it a bunch absolutely but yeah yeah Rocks. i make <laughs> the joke all the time that like david dunn like if if i got the ability to just like never be hurt like my stupid ass would just like literally be like all right going to like going to the arizona cardinals practice facility up the road and we're we're, we're trying out like i'm gonna show them like i'll just keep getting up like i'm not getting hurt like bro's gonna be just... the greatest running back of all time <laughs> yeah honestly like they're too fragile these days they're, they're real running backs are like mr glass but unbreakable david Dunn. <laughs> um yeah so for me a four and a half star i i love this movie i've only seen it once also though but I, so i need to rewatch. i watched it for the first time over half a year ago at this point um yeah i am um... I watched this a while ago. I remember liking it as a kid, but I rewatched it back in January. It's it's fantastic. It's definitely one of my favorites by far. I think it's such an interesting take on the superhero genre, being so grounded and realistic. And I think the use of color doesn't get mentioned enough when talking about Unbreakable. I think it's so, so good. I also think it's Bruce Willis's best performance ever. And I think this is kind of just so impactful whenever I watch it. I've watched it multiple times this year since. And I think it's so right now it sits at number two. It's no secret to what my number one is. Obviously, I think I think that's the next one. I don't think you did one in between. Um, 
yeah, Unbreakable sits up number two of my M Night ranking now. I think it's truly just one of the best superhero projects uh, of this century so far. For me, anyway, I think it's just such an interesting take that not many filmmakers would take that risk. And I think M Night really succeeded with that. Mm-hmm. I just want to quickly add on to that. So these, like, so the Unbreakable split glass make up like a like a comic book movie superhero trilogy, but it's not based off like comic book comic books like there's no comics you can read about like unbreakable no. glass or anything no, like that. No, but, like, no. that this is like m knight's version of what like a, a cinematic uh, universe would be for but, like super i don't know yeah everything's in quotes like superhero like I, it's not like a comic book adaptation but i would say that it's like it is a comic book movie because all of them are literally about like comic books like right, and yeah. like a high flute and like yeah, sense. Same. Like, yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Um, is uh so I'm curious, Owen. Like this is another one that we're all rating pretty highly. Is this like your last uh, lowest so rated? This is in ninth, <laughs> but it's four stars. So it's like, oh, okay, four stars. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. opposite of George. And for those of you who don't know, Owen, like a, a four star movie <laughs> means nuts. A, a four star <laughs> review from Owen means like you should book a plane ticket and travel anywhere to see this film on any screen. Like um, four stars is, is rare. Anything about you scared me when you said ninth? Then I thought you were going to pull like, two <laughs> Yeah, right? well. So the sixth sense we talked about was eleventh, and that's in, that's three stars. But Unbreakable, um, I think Unbreakable is great. Uh, <laughs> Seth Touch and I think Bruce Willis is phenomenal here. Um, like I said, the last one was a little more conventional. I think he's getting weirder here. Um, and this for to come out in two thousand and yeah. to be a superhero movie like this is it's like we've had so many superhero comic book movies in the past twenty years, and this like is kind of still one of the best ones. This came up yeah, before I mean, he made It's crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I like made maybe like the best of one of the best superhero movies like before the MCU was like considered a thing that could possibly exist yeah. in culture, you know, like um it's really interesting and I I think there's a lot um I think he's is the first kind of touch on water for M Night. I think water is a big theme throughout his filmography, really prevalent here. Um yeah, I think it's great. So I'm seeing on Letterboxd, K-Meeks and George both have it at a three-star. So both yeah. of you not as high on it. No, I like this That's movie lame. a lot, though. It's it, in the it, middle. This is, this, this middle is one of, of those, ranking. like, yeah, this sits at my number six spot. Um, Same. That's awesome. Uh, so, six. like, literally just outside, like, that three and a half out of five top five that I have. This is one of those situations where I wish I had more time leading the week leading up to this to have rewatched Unbreakable. Because I will admit I have not seen it in a very long time. Um, and looking at M. Night's filmography, like... I just watched Lady in the Water maybe like a couple months ago. Uh, I rewatched Old, The Village, Split, uh, The Visit. Um, I, I've rewatched a lot of these movies over the last couple of months, but for some reason, Unbreakable was never a movie I cared to revisit. Um, yeah, I do think you'd like it more now, honestly. No, no, I, I trust me. I'm like, don't take this six spot on my rank three out of five personally because I do think I will raise it. Uh, my biggest problem with it right now is uh, it, it's unforgettable. Um, uh, I mean, it is forgettable. Um, it is I, unforgettable. I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Which is my biggest problem with M Night as a filmmaker as a whole. I don't think any of his films really resonate with me as much as they do, obviously, with uh, the three gentlemen at the bottom of your screen. <laughs> um, and, and Unbreakable just being as forgettable as it is, and just being a movie that I don't necessarily think about or or care to revisit, just kind of tells me that okay, maybe it's in that three out of five range for me right now um definitely movie i need to revisit though yeah Yeah. i i kind of like what george said i wouldn't take any of my like actual numbered ratings on any of these movies too seriously because i only got to rewatch 
two of his movies before this and one of them got a score raised i feel like that would happen if, if i rewatched his entire filmography i think they'd all go up um so yeah i don't know not not to be taken too seriously i like unbreakable a lot though i think as far as like i, I love revisiting like pre-mcu superhero movies and just being like refreshed by them like how this movie's big like superhero moment is just that he gets on a bench press and like lifts heavy that. weights i'm like, <laughs> that's that's so like when awesome. you compare that when you compare that to like the superhero moments of like modern superhero movies it's just so simple yeah like shang like, fighting, fighting a big ass dragon with yeah. Michelle Yeoh, like <laughs> yeah i'm like this is just i don't know it's just like a real character <laughs> um, like yeah no, yeah. no I, that scene in Unbreakable where um, the kid is like, I'm going to shoot you right now. And it's yeah. like pointing the gun at him. That is, All that's timer. like from like yeah. real ass cinema, dude. That shit is yeah. so, yeah. it's it's so funny you mentioned that about like how refreshing it is like revisiting this. Because when I first got Letterboxd, which is coming up on two years ago, I, I logged everything fresh. I didn't want to log anything and be like, oh, I saw this movie two years ago. I think it's probably four stars. So I was just like, I'm just going to start yeah. zero and work my way up. Um, and the first things I wanted to do is just like log all the, cause it was like right before no way home was when I started my letterbox. I was like, Oh, let me just get caught up and log all the MCU. Cause I hadn't actually seen like most MCU leading up to that point. So I watched all the MCU and then I went straight into the dark Knight trilogy after that. And I think I overrated That's the hell crazy. out of Batman Begins purely because I watched like 27 straight MCU movies and, and Batman <laughs> Begins started. I was like, oh my God, this is such a breath You're of like, oh, there. it's a real fucking movie. It's like <laughs> Liam Neeson <laughs> and Christian Bale like in a in an on fire building, like fighting each other. I was like, oh God, this, yeah. is, this is great. Oh my God, it's a director with a voice. Holy shit. <laughs> um, watch Ant-Man 3 and then watch Unbreakable and you'll love Unbreakable more. <laughs> yeah, but that's not comparison. <laughs> It's like, yeah, take a shot and then have a chaser after it. You'll, you'll appreciate that lemonade a little more than you yeah. did before. Um, yeah. We'll dive into the next film that came out two years after this, which is Signs. So Signs, we have a five-star from Doug. From Hell, yeah, Meeks, brother. Hell from, yeah, brother. From Seth. And then Owen and George, another classic. Like, they have the same opinion on every film. They both gave it a three-and-a-half star. <laughs> Don't shoot me. I was I was planning man. on watching it yesterday. Did not get to it. So I have not seen Signs yet, Bro, which I know I is, like, everyone's favorite. Watch, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh. I, basically, yesterday, I was like, I need to watch Signs. I need to watch The Village and The Visit. And I need to watch Edge of Tomorrow. So I have four films to watch. Didn't get to any of them because by the time I finished editing yesterday's Real Talk <laughs> podcast – my fiance and I had plans that night and like, it just went way longer than I expected. I didn't get home until like one thirty. I turned oh. on signs for 20 minutes. I was like, I gotta be up in three hours to record again. Like I, it's just not happening. Fellas. Like, I'm, I'm not going to get to it. Yeah. But again, like time traveling, like I mentioned in our edge of tomorrow review, we're like for the listeners, like I will have watched edge of tomorrow by the time you hear our review on it for signs, the village and the visit 100% for sure. Like they will be logged ranked in my list reviewed on letterbox before this episode actually goes up for this discussion right now. I'll remove myself from the signs talk, kick it off with uh, honestly any any of the five star folks, and we'll get into Owen and George. Like, All right, Kevin, let's cook right now. Yeah. <laughs> this movie rocks. I mean, this this movie <laughs> this movie transcends an M Night ranking for me. This is like one of my twenty is, yeah, favorite movies me. ever. Yeah, yeah. Is this the best movie it. about aliens ever made? Yeah, no, alien, <laughs> alien. I mean, yeah. I, I, for me, it is. Alien Covenant. Unless there's like a movie about aliens and not different <laughs> yeah, movies, but I just can't think of it. Alien Covenant is great. So Holy shit. I um, mean, is this the best movie about God ever made? Is, yeah, I mean, also, like, silence. Are we... <laughs> silence. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm being, I'm being, I'm, I'm being a little silly. But I'm agreeing. I'm, oh. agreeing. <laughs> I'm the same with um, Kevin. This is like trans. This is like not only my favorite M. Night film, I, I think this is, I obviously redid my list recently. This comes, this gets in my top 20 of all time. I think. 
I don't know, man. Signs is one of the ones I grew up with. I rewatched it like fairly recently after a few years. I just think it's such a beautiful film on faith and family. I think I get why people don't like the ending, but I think people are so the criticism regarding the aliens in this film, I think people miss the point completely in my eyes, and I really, really do. I get why people yeah. don't like it, don't get me wrong. And again, film, this isn't for everyone, but I think people do really miss what the film is based on, what the film is for, and what it's about, and the aliens aren't the central topic of discussion here. Uh, right. But yeah, same as, same as Kevin, this kind of transcends my, my M. Night ranking. This really is, you know, the number one by like a long way. It's my only five star. Um, yeah. So yeah, what if I really say this might not even be my favorite M. Night? Um, that's fine. It's just wrong, <laughs> but it's fine. It's wrong. No, but this movie's so good. I think I, uh, this is like, I mean, best Mel Gibson performance probably for me. Yeah. Uh, it, like best M Night performance. Uh, we haven't even talked about how M Night's in a lot of these movies. Um, I love him in this film. Like, just the guy. He's in the like car. really he's old, good yeah. in this movie. <laughs> he is. Um. um I would agree with you. Is also awesome in this. And there's like, uh, so there's like an interesting kind of like meta aspect to uh, Signs too, where it's like, so M Night, the filmmaker of the filmmaker, like the actor of Signs, right, is also the character in Signs that causes um, the Mel Gibson character like this fucking psychic damage, right? Like his character does um, in the movie, but then also as a filmmaker, he's doing it to the character. And uh, it's interesting. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> this movie is really fucking cool. I just like, I, I when I rewatched it yesterday, I saw this in my review, but I was like, the first hour of this movie or whatever, like maybe an hour, like a little over an hour, is just like really cool, like thriller, like awesome, like high tension moments. The comedy fucking rocks. Like I'm just laughing every, at every single joke. It's so funny. Um, and then it's there's so just like 30 awkward. minutes at the end of this movie where I just don't stop crying for 30 minutes straight. And yeah. I remember when I wrote that review, someone commented and they were like, I must have watched the wrong cut of this movie. I'm like, do you guys not, <laughs> like, do you guys not get emotional when you watch it? Like there are like no, six scenes, there are like six yeah, scenes yeah. in a row that are like literally the most touching displays of like love family. between family members that I've Absolutely. ever seen. Like there are yeah. so many good, when he's like telling his kids, like, what happened when they were born while these aliens are trying to invade them. I'm like, Oh, this is so good. <laughs> like, and it, this movie's also like, um, continues his like, like motif with water, like M night's kind of right, like fascination right. with water in a big way with, uh, this, I mean, throughout the movie, but like, you know, the big scene at the end where it's like all the water cups are around and the alien shows up. Um, right. and, I also and it, kind of, think, and it like represents like holy water in. Yeah. yeah. I also just think it's really beautiful that it's like a movie that's like, obviously you say it's one of the best movies about religion and like definitely a fair interpretation. I think as somebody who doesn't care about that, it's also just like <laughs> a movie that it like, is just like a really nice movie about faith, like regardless of what you believe in. Like, it's yeah. just like a really hopeful movie <laughs> um, about just like believing in something. Yeah. Real. Did I uh, did I watch a different cut of this movie than you? <laughs> okay, just out of curiosity. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, me and me and Owen always on the same wavelength. Obviously, uh, we, we wave wavelength, wavelength, mm. wavelength. Yeah. Hey yo, we wave- <laughs> oh, the oh wait, we got a bunch of we got a bunch of Michael Snow <laughs> George, 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 George already <laughs> forgot that that movie. Exists. I, forgot, I was like, I thought you were talking about the number game that I see on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, no, I like Signs. It's one of my three and a half out of fives for M. Night. It's sitting just behind the Sixth Sense at number four. Um, I think the reasons uh, Kevin loves this movie are the reasons that uh, hold it back for me. I love that this movie is kind of introduced to you as this very tense, unpredictable um, thriller comedy kind of movie. Um, and then it just takes such a turn at the end where M. Night's really trying to kind of like shove these thematic elements down your throat. And I think it comes off not as personal and intimate as you guys obviously make it out to be. Um, and maybe it just didn't land for me. Maybe I watched it in the wrong mindset, but none of this yeah. movie, like, I, towards the... If that's yeah. how you feel now, wait till we get to the happening. Yeah. That, 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 I'm that's going to be a great discussion. I'm going to stay really fully close. silent for that entire conversation. <laughs> I'm going to turn my camera off. I'm going to go walk my dog while you guys talk about the fucking happening. Um, but no, it still sits at my number four spot. Um, it's definitely another M. Night I'm due for a rewatch on. Um, yeah, three and a half out of five. Um, I'm not here to shit on signs because M Night has plenty of other films that I'm definitely gonna, I'm definitely gonna work into. I'm keen to hear Owen your thoughts on on signs compared to other um, films. Yeah, so signs we're kind of just like talking about stuff that's at the bottom of my list right now because I think M Night's really just gotten better over time. There's this interview with you think I don't know what it's called, but he's just like talking about movies and he's talking about uh, filming his show. So, so I think it's Servants. Yeah. Um. And he just talks so, about yeah. severance or whatever. He's talking about his show, right? And he's talking about just the amount of filming he gets to do on that show and just the amount of stuff he learns just from filming over and over and over again. And I just truly just think he's just gotten better as a filmmaker, a pure filmmaker over time. Um, so a lot of this is just more at the end of my uh, ranking. Visually, I, really, I probably agree. Like in terms I of really do watch. like I really do like signs. Um, it's one of the things where I think this could definitely go up for me in a couple of years, just on more rewatches. Um, it's one that I just really like, but I just really love a lot of the other ones. So it's like I it's not one of my favorites, but I do really like it. Um, I think the performances are great. I love M Night here. Um, it just overall isn't one that I really think about that much or gravitate towards. Where, also, where does this land on your ranking? Sorry, uh, I think tenth. So oh, that's web. like high for you at tenth. So yeah, this must so be your it, highest average direct. Is it higher than like Brian De Palma in terms of the averages? Um, it must so be it's like, like pretty much the apples same. and oranges, buddy. Yeah, like pretty much the same. <laughs> well, it's like um, yeah, there's it's because we're talking about like six senses like 11 then you have signs at 10 and then unbreakable at nine like these are all kind of in the same area for me um but yeah. kind of what we're talking about with the water thing i think um i think the family thing is really big for m night i think family i think father son stuff um I that's think what i was gonna say like the biggest um the biggest like thematic through line uh between yeah. like these first three like real films for him are like they're all about being a dad you know yeah <laughs> like all well, of them yeah, I, I was gonna mention it. i didn't get to mention it for unbreakable but that's one of the things that really works for me for unbreakable is the father-son thing and we'll get to after earth later but i think there's this father-son thing that really works for me it doesn't work for me as much in signs but when it does work those are tend to be um some of my favorite moments of m night so i think the water stuff, I think the faith stuff, um, and then like the father son family stuff really works for me here. Can you guys, and this is a serious question, can you explain to me? Because between signs and Lady in the Water, M. Knight seems to have this weird like infatuation with writing himself into his own movies as this like messiah kind of figure. Well, here's the thing. Okay. Uh, and that's not well, like that, that's not a criticism. I just, that's like a genuine question. I think, I think that, um, don't you think that like the director is kind of like the god of 
like like a film, no, right? Like, like I get that, but like my thought is like that's it's such like a I don't even know what word to use it. It's such like a pretentious thing to do, I guess. Not pretentious, but it's like we get it. Like you're the director, this is your movie. You're obviously you you know later in his career he has I, so much creative freedom here and there. I mean, I think that I think that signs it works really well because it's a very small role. Um, that is very powerful, and I think it's like really interesting when you consider the fact that he is like the writer director. I think Lady in the Water makes sense because Lady in the Water is like the all time. This is like this is a one for me. It's like I just made a bunch of movies. I made a bunch of money. I'm gonna make whatever the fuck I need to make right yeah. now. Um, and that is him. Uh, and that is him just making a whole ass movie about himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's why it well, makes yeah, sense in Lady can in the get Water. We get to that later, but I think Lady in the Water. He's talked about this on record that it that is his most personal film. Um, so I, I guess it makes sense. Um, but is that, a, is that a negative for you? When no, no, comes, no, it, it's, it's not a criticism. It's okay. just, it's just something. Cause like in my mind, I'm thinking like, imagine if like the Russo brothers wrote themselves into a mark, <laughs> you guys would be losing they your did. fucking mind. What's his name is in like, oh yeah, Endgame. he's in Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> is he? Yeah. Dude, one of those at the beginning in like the therapy class. But yeah, well, George, George, one thing I'm interested to pull on that for you, because like you, we, you just talked about in the pod the other week, uh, Cooper Rafe, like his two films, he's like, yeah, basically he's writes everything. himself in to be like, that's an issue I have with Cooper to Rafe. have like women, like he's always just like gets yeah. whatever like the lead actress is to be like his like girl basically in all his movies. Yeah, so yeah. I'm just kind of interested. Like, well, Tarantino, why, do you think it's just a th- his stuff too? I mean, Woody yeah. Allen, we all love him. Yeah. So do you think it's just yeah. like a matter of like if you yeah. like the movie? And I'm not saying this like um, as like a gotcha. I'm saying like if you like the movie and the director's in it, you can kind of let it slide. But if you dislike it and the director's in it, you're kind of more like. But again, I, I don't dislike the fact that M Night writes himself into his movie. It's just very interesting that he always mm. does it and he always yeah. like puts himself in as like this messiah figure as opposed to just like a dude. I think if you uh, talk about writing as well, it's just something that you gravitate towards. I mean, like <laughs> in my writing, like I'm always writing I, I, when I was in school. And even now, like a lot of my scripts are just like reflective of my real life. Like I just take things that happen to me and I turn them into a story. And I think people just gravitate towards doing that. And there are obviously M. Night has some movies that aren't that. Um, but I don't ever like think that that's I, I just think that that's natural for artists to want to tell stories about themselves because it's it's how you you know deal with stuff going on in your life is to make art and sometimes that's just a direct reflection of who you are i think with m night too uh this is god there's so much unwarranted criticism and i think a big one is this whole like oh m night um needs to stop forcing himself into his movies as an actor it's again it's not a criticism no yeah i'm not saying from you i am but like that's something i've heard a lot from fucking you know like brainlets on youtube is like uh you know (laughs) like um it, where it's like, oh, like he's such a bad actor, he has to stop forcing himself in movies. I think it's really, it's just like M. Night likes to act. I think that he enjoys being an actor, right? Um, and I think that he just like, after he writes the movie, he, you know, he, I think he like looks at everything and he, I think he looks and he's like, is there a role I could just have? Like, is there like a role that I can like just like, like fill I'm in here? Sure yeah. Um, I think the only time he really did like write himself into the movie was Lady of the Water. Um, I think, I think every other time he's in the movie, he's um, just like, I could do yeah. this. <laughs> um, kind of what Kevin was saying about the personal stuff, I think when you look at his filmography in the movies that he's not in, they're often the movies that are not very personal. Like, he's not in Avatar, um, uh, he's not in, I don't think he's in Wide Awake. He's um, not in After Earth. He's I not think. in After Earth. Yeah. So it's like these movies that he's making to just make, he's not in them because he's not, like, he's not in them, necessarily. He's not the story. 
Okay. Yeah. So I, I I think it's like there's a lot of directors that do it. I think it's similar to kind of when Tarantino likes to act. So he's just going to act in his movies because he likes to act and he's making a movie and he's like, this is movies. Like we're going to let's act in them. I think it's just kind of that thing where he just likes to act and they're very personal movies. <laughs> Tarantino like, also likes to suck on toes. <laughs> that is. I mean, true. yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, I just think it's a very personal uh, movie that he's. It's easy to insert yourself in a very personal situation. That's fair. Well, uh, let's let, let's move on to the village now, which came out two years after this. Um, yeah. Again, another one let's, I did not get to, so I'm removing yeah. myself from the the conversation again. So I'm going to let you guys take it away and talk the village. I really wait, wait Doug. Strong... Wait, Doug, Doug. Last night, didn't you say this is like his most? Would you call it like his most essential film? Yeah, after I think after Sixth Sense, the village is his most essential film for oh, sure. Really? Yeah, this is, yeah. This is another think, three yeah. out of five. I really like the village. This, this is really my like no, I lied. I, I've watched Lady in the Water more recently than the village, but this was a first watch for me only a couple months ago. Um, my biggest takeaway from this film, and I know Owen, I believe you and I went back and forth on this a little bit on Twitter after I watched this movie. <laughs> um, oh, I, I call it, I call it a dialogue problem. You call oh. it a dialogue style. Um, whatever it is, it, it's the dialogue problems, despicable. That's it, despicable. Yeah. Whatever you think, stuff. this whatever, is the craziest movie for this. But like, no, yeah. this is like this is his best. Like the dialogue is the, at the best here. It is so <laughs> robotic and choppy oh. and forced. It it removes it's, any ounce of charisma have, okay, from his a, films. In my have, humble opinion, I have a series. I okay, I have a fucking thing that I'm going to say about this movie that uh, would make a lot of people angry, I think. But I think that the scene on the porch where it's walking Phoenix talking to Bryce Dallas Howard, and it's like him, like, like professing his love. Right. I think that is the best version of that scene. in maybe any movie, I think yeah. that shit is better than that shit in like pride and prejudice. I think that shit is so fucking perfect. In this, movie. I think that might be the best. Like, I think that might be my favorite scene in any of his movies, period. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I think Maybe, that scene me is too. that good. It's and and I think the movie, like, and I think the movie is that well written. And, um, I don't know. I like, obviously we could get into these discussions about pretty much all of his movies with, with those complaints, but I think it's just like, I think M night makes it very clear. Um, and especially when you watch his whole filmography too, uh, you notice it. It's like he he cares about certain things more. I me I mentioned in my review of the happening yesterday that he's like a filmmaker that cares a lot about ideas and and his themes are so strong. And I think that is also part of a good screenplay, like whether you know you think the dialogue is unnatural or not. Um, and and I think the biggest thing is just that. You look at something like The Sixth Sense, which like by everybody's standards, like any professional screenwriter you ask, like everybody thinks it's one of the best scripts ever written um, from just like a basic screenwriting standpoint. It's like somebody that has that skill as a screenwriter is not just going to forget how to write scripts like that. So <laughs> I, I just think that people yeah. who focus too much on his dialogue are looking at the wrong thing. And he's just making it clear that that's not something he values. Like he cares more. He doesn't want you to like pay attention to these specific lines because 
these lines are just convey conveying ideas um and the village is like full of beautiful ideas so i think he just like likes writing characters like that you yeah. know i think i think people like that's the thing a lot of people call it like a dialogue problem i think he's he's like straight up i think he's doing it on purpose like he i think yeah. i feel so well, confident yeah. he could write night more naturalistic dialogue if he wants to he just like doesn't want people to talk like that in yeah. his movies that was my point with the success that, yeah, like nobody nobody that writes that script forgets how to write yeah like, well that's the thing i was talking about <laughs> earlier with the conventionalism is like when he makes the sync sense it's like okay this is how i can do it this way now when i yeah. do the abstract thing like when i do like the picasso weird Hot face thing. thing it's like okay you've seen me make a realistic face now when their eyes are a little slanted you know it's on purpose um so yeah. i think the village is like we're starting to get into like the heavy hitter like he's continuing i just like i said earlier he's just continuing to get better i think the village is wonderful um i don't really remember the dialogue that much it's been a this is one of the ones i haven't we seen must in a make while haste. yeah but I, I don't remember like... it like being weird to me but i i don't know but it's also like they're in a weird like it's in a weird environment yeah. that's another thing it's like yeah. not in modern well no they're they're but... yeah that's the, i mean the big twist of the movie is that they're living in this village like it's the 1700s and in reality yeah. it's the modern day on the outside world so of course it doesn't sound no, how we do hot take <laughs> that's like people call this like after the sixth sense people say this is like the biggest m night twist right is like this like yeah, movie yeah, this is, is like the village right yeah. yeah if you watch this movie this shit that's not even a twist like you know like 20 minutes into the movie that this shit is not in this like this shit takes place in modern day and they're just yeah. in, like a fucked up little village like like yeah. it's like like they're like he's like communicating mm -hmm. that to the audience like early and in the movie the twist is worth talking about too because this is one of those movies where like it got a it was super divisive because people yeah. hated the twist. Yeah, people said that it was really not... dumb. This yeah. is the that's start calling of the it end dumb. of critical reception. Right? Yeah, this was yeah, it. Yeah, was like yeah, 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 after the village, um, things get rocky. <laughs> I, I think um, the village, for me, the strongest aspects of the village is the visuals. I think this is probably mm -hmm. the best looking M Night film for me. Maybe along the line, maybe with. Yeah, well, there's a lot of those orange, like, leaves colors and, the, like, the green grass of the village. It's, like, very, like, per, like pristine grass. Yeah, um, I love it. Yeah. 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 No, it's beautiful. Um, this is um, my eighth-ranked film. And, like, oh, yeah. the red hoods <laughs> and stuff. Of the I monster. love it. Red hoods are great. Um, yeah. Uh, no, and Bryce Dallas Howard's red hair. To, yeah. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard's great. She's so good in it. Yeah, I really like it. Uh, this is my sixth in uh, M. Night's ranking. Oh, wow. I thought it would be higher for you. Yeah. No, I have... It's, it's a four star. It's my lowest yeah, four star. So it's yeah, like, okay. it's four stars for me yeah. as well. This one, this one really connects with me because this is like just at night, like being a softie, just like being a romantic. Yeah, being a romantic. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's a movie all about love, and it's like it's kind of like the, I, it's like the antithesis. I think the village is like the antithesis to a lot of Lars von Trier's movies. Like it's like the <laughs> anti melancholia, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, yeah that's um, because yeah. like uh how like melancholia is all about how like uh like you know people fucking suck you know yeah. people like and are that's... selfish and evil and fucking despicable and the yeah. village is all about how like people rock people are yeah. fucking awesome you it's know? also people... all of his movies that's like <laughs> yeah that's, that's like my biggest takeaway about him as a filmmaker is he's such an optimist and like he instills so much hope about humanity and in, into his movies it's just like really sweet like it's really sweet to see a filmmaker who just like values people yeah <laughs> like people bring up it's funny because i actually get it now he is completely antithesis to his film <laughs> yeah yeah completely <laughs> the put those two guys like... in a room <laughs> <That's> <laughs> oh crazy. like yeah. yeah i mean m night would 
fucking kill Ars Muncher, I think, literally <laughs> with this. Um, but like the village, like people always talk about how like the twist at the like the big reveal at the end, they say that it's really dumb. But to me, I'm like, I'm not thinking about like the logic of it. I'm not right. thinking about like I'm not thinking about it logically. I, the twist happens, and then like there's a zoom out after like he helps the girl, and it's like he has um, the necklace hanging on like the uh, his like car windshield. Uh, and I'm like, I'm crying. Tears are streaming down my yeah. eyes. I'm like, humanity is a beautiful thing. Ending. It's the same criticism we get with the yeah. signs ending. I don't think I need to look at it logically because I think the signs ending is so beautiful to the point where I don't care at that point. Yeah. Seems like Kevin said earlier, but yeah, yeah. I really like logic. logic is a weird thing that people like almost like fetishize. <laughs> people nowadays. count. People only yeah, the fetishization of logic. Yeah, it's like, and it's like weaponized against them. It's weaponized art. against them. Which I think is such a like, weird thing. They'll consider it's... logic for films that they they'll only put it into an argument for a film that they've not really enjoyed, and I think it kind of goes both ways. I get it sometimes, but I think with M Night, I just I, I don't really care because of his yeah. yeah. So I think it's a weird. The thing, thing with logic is also how you set up the world. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like yeah, yeah, but it's like the end of Spider Man Two. Everybody loves Spider Man Two, and at the end of Spider Man Two, when fucking Joey Diaz or whatever is um like going up to the supervillain on the train and being like, "Hey, don't touch Spider Man, bro." <laughs> You know, it's like it's that's not, that shit. Like that's not like logical, really. Like so, um, no, that's valid. If Joey Diaz like... came up to me and yelled at me, I would cower. <laughs> I, I just oh. think it's a weird thing to go into a movie asking for. Like, I get watching like a documentary and being like, "Hey, that doesn't fucking make." Sense. You want to escape if you watch a film, most but I just I feel yeah. like it's the it's the only art form. It's what's the art form like? It's like the biggest art form for general audiences. So it's obviously the art form of everyone's gonna have an opinion. But I think it's a weird thing where it's like I, I, I always bring it back to painting and stuff like that because it's just like there's just different styles and we're all every film is trying to obtain a different goal, right? Yeah. So if my goal is not logic or to live in a logical world, then a criticizing it for not being logical is just not like an anti-criticism. It's not a criticism. So I'm not. That's not my attempt at here. It's like if you don't like it for being not logical i don't think you're meeting it at a, the level it's trying to attempt to be at i don't think you're even attempting to interact with it in any sort of way yeah there's um, a lot of bad faith and night criticism also we're not yeah. even halfway through his movies um I and just, we can segue I, this into yeah, this I next know, lady in the water i just want to say i just think <laughs> it's a weird way to approach things and i i think this is like this is the earlier start of his criticism because i think even i mean science is a little bit but i I just think it's when he gets weird, everyone's like, that's weird. And I don't like that. And it's a disassociation for me. And all of we talk about um, the optimism. I think it's, all of his films are so optimistic and heartfelt. And I don't think you're able to feel the heart if you're worrying about things like logic. I don't think you can. <laughs> I don't think you can get to the emotional bits if you're like caught up in like things like that. I don't think that's possible to interact with it on the right level. Well, um, would you agree, Doug, that this the village closes uh, era one of M Night? Yes, era two, for right? sure. No, yeah, era, era one. Bar- Praying well, with anger, wide awake is pre-era. That's yeah, era that's zero. pre-era. Now, that's era proto M Night. Over, and now <laughs> yeah. we're into the. Well, is this next era only two films, Lady in the Water and The Happening? Where I would say his next era. I would say his next era is. I would maybe Owen would disagree. I would put it as Lady in the Water through After Earth, and I would say this is like the. When everybody um, in America wanted to kill M Night. Well, <laughs> it depends on what you're like categorizing because I think Lady in the Water and Happening could be its own thing. Because when we talk about the village being the end of this era, I think it is like the if you're like chapterizing it, I think it's like 
you start with the sixth sense and it's like oh he's at the top of the world and you're slowly like kind of bringing him down and the village is where he breaks a little bit he kind of and then the the lady in the water is a direct response to critique the breaking. and it is it is a direct like he talks about it his most personal film so and then the happening happens and they trash that again and his whole world kind of falls apart yeah and now he's on the back foot and he's like okay i'll make i'll make a whatever like bullshit yeah. cartoon movie for you guys and then <laughs> so yeah so, so the happening and lady in water which are personal films masterpieces they um well they lead into him having to make the last airbender in after earth yeah like that, out of necessity like i feel like those are different um sections for me personally just because they're like his he's doing like for higher stuff yeah yeah i i was i i guess like my perspective was that when i said like all like the next four like lady in the water through after earth or like one section i think this is where the normal person like looks at his career on like a like a big board or whatever and they're like oh they take a big ass marker and they like put a big x on these four movies and like these are yeah, what he's yeah, yeah. at it like these are the worst four movies yeah, um, yeah. yeah. i think in general exactly that's like what i do <laughs> yeah in general i think like that's like what what I think that's a good description of kind of how his career is going for where we're at right now, going through filmography. So Lady in the Water, um, I actually really like this. So I went into it, let's see, when did I log this? February 1st. So I guess it's been over half a year ago. I thought it was more recent. I, I know George disagrees, but we'll get to hear his thoughts. But I actually loved Paul Giamatti in this. Like, loved, oh, yeah. loved like, one of my favorite performances. All-time like, performance. One of my critiques, though, which is why I'm interested to watch The Village after hearing you guys talk about about Bryce Dallas Howard, is like I didn't think she got like a ton of opportunity to flex her range here. I wouldn't say she had no range because I think her character didn't really give her much to work with in this compared to other movies where she has a little more dialogue, a little more activity. I mean, most of this movie is Paul Giamatti kind of caring for her. Um, and I thought the ending was rushed a little bit for me personally, which I know like – I don't know. Pacing is a weird thing for me, which I almost like am starting to believe like it's not real. Like pacing's not a real thing. Like when people say it's like slowly paced or too fast paced. But for me, I just felt like the end of the movie seemed like it tied up the story a little too quick for me. But this is very much a fairy tale, nighttime, bedtime story. Very personal film. Uh, like Owen mentioned, uh, he's been on record many times saying it's one of those personal films. He had an interview where he said like, basically what if like your house is burning down like what movies of yours would you take with you and he said unbreakable lady in the water the visit and then old this is from a couple of, sure. those are from those old. are four bangers <laughs> yeah. so those are the four movies but i think like probably if like this is just me guessing maybe you guys know them i don't if you had to have a number one i feel like it's probably his number one favorite because yeah. it was basically like his bedtime it basically like his reimagining of a bedtime story he told his adam sandler's up. bedtime stories <laughs> yeah um, it's a really interesting movie yeah i think that movie's interesting i think uh, lady in the water is this your like number one owen yeah this is my wow. favorite right? okay because i think I, I the reason i watched this because at the point when i watched this was i probably had like seven more m nights to go through and kind of like you mentioned how like this is the era of people putting an x on them like when you have like stuff like i, I hadn't seen signs unbreakable sixth sense like lady in the water is not normally the one someone would watch first out of that group to like go through but owen like i think just went on like a twitter <laughs> rampage or sometime about how much he like loved this movie like because george watched it i would go as far as to say lady in the water is kind of a forgotten film good uh, i hadn't even heard of it up until like a year ago well yeah because it's like everyone yeah everyone yells about the last airbender like every week on twitter and after earth gets talked about because bill smith is in it and the happening is um, very like memeable yeah, yeah. but it, this yeah, is the one where it's like was also no really one talks about this movie yeah um, yeah, I don't actually uh, remember watching this. I'll be honest. Like this was a couple of years ago. I don't remember. It was like, 
I don't remember liking it, but I also don't remember hating it. So this, I'm going to start this one. This that sits right now as second to bottom, but I don't know. I can't remember. It was like two years ago. I'm not sure. Yeah, to, to Owen's point, this isn't the most talked about M. Night movie, um, thankfully, because I couldn't fucking stand it. Um, it's num it's Owen's number one, uh, and it's a one star for me, so I guess we got that number one in common. Um, this was just the most lifeless, pitiful attempt at a fairy tale I've ever seen in my entire life. You're crazy. Um, I actually, um, Tyler, I know you said I may disagree with you. I actually don't on Paul Giamatti. I thought he was great, and he's probably the only reason that this movie isn't a half a star for me. Um, there's so much uh, attempted lore establishment. He tries to get so deep, and I think it just comes off very shallow and just unintelligent. Um, it, it's just... I remember very clearly watching this uh, like in my apartment and I was like, I'm really excited for Lady in the Water. I know a lot of people rate it highly, a lot of my mutuals. So maybe this will be where I turn on M. Night. And like a half hour into this movie, I was like, this is just pitiful. I'd rather stick something in my eyes to stop me from staring at this movie. Um, it's not that, that's crazy. It's like, how, is, I, how do I think, I think it's I that? truly, and I'm not even like, I, I know I like, I know I'm like the M. Night hater of this little six-man podcast right here, and I know maybe I go a little overboard with my like happening and last airbender hate, but I truly I dislike this movie with every ounce of fiber in my fucking body. This was just such a pitiful attempt at like M. Night creating this next like fairy tale classic. Um, I, I think this is where his dialogue and storytelling comes off as the most obnoxious. Um, and again, I will, I will refrain from calling it a dialogue problem, but his dialogue style just absolutely removes me from every single one of his movies. It is just, it is so devoid of, of charm and charisma. Like you have Paul Giamatti, you have, uh, fucking who, who, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, like, and, and you make them feel so bland because of how shitty the dialogue is in this movie. Um, to be fair, I know why you don't. I get why you don't like this one. What I remember, like from what I remember from watching this, I, I don't think I enjoyed this one much. To be honest, from what I remember, I get it. But... One thing for me that, and, and again, like I watched it eight months ago, so it's not completely fresh in the brain. But just like read my letterbox for trying to refresh my brain, is of all, like M Night has great camera work in pretty much every one of his movies. Like I know, like we'll get oh, to like yeah. Knock at the Cabin. Like that was probably we'll one of my there. favorite things <laughs> of it. But Lady in the Water is one I noticed more than like any of them. And again, like I said, when I watched this for the first time, it was like my fourth M night. So it was like before I saw most of his filmography, but I really, really like the camera work in this one. Like just trying to refresh my brain for my review. Like there's so many times where there was just like something going on in like the corner of the screen that was actually like really important, but barely a focal point in what was being framed. Um, a lot of just like obscure focal points and like quick zooms in this. And I don't know, just everything about the camera work really drew me into this movie. Paul Giamatti was just like the icing on the cake because I, I, I truly loved his performance. Um, but yeah, like I, I don't know. I, I gave it three and a half stars, like which I mean, letterbox average is like a 2.4. So obviously I'm like That's quite so higher high. than most people. <laughs> You're crazy. What the fuck? Um, uh, but yeah, is I, so this is what high. I needed, George. Thank you. This what the funny. fuck? No, I think this bro. is the, um, Night's, uh, my favorite written movie from him i think um i think when i talk about writing i think two people come to mind and it's less of like it's like more of anti-writing i think is terrence malick and i think of m night i think it's more of <laughs> terrence which is like totally completely like different people but it's it's more of words than writing i don't care about yeah. writing it's more of words and i think the words that are being said here are really important and i think uh well fairy tales are something that i really 
um, like. I think like that whole aesthetic of, is really interesting. Uh, we talk about Paul Giamatti. I think Paul Giamatti is great. Um, but I think when you talk about lore, I don't think lore is important here. I don't think there is attempt at lore, really. I don't even think that is... Um, it, it's like it's more of like a, a kid making things up. I don't think lore is in the kid's head. I think he's thinking of things. I think there is like a sense of that. We talk about Bryce Dallas Howard not having much range because I think it's very much like supposed to be um, this very like childlike performance i think a lot of it is a very we talk about the family thing i think there is this weird um kind of family in the whole like building i think there's water of course is here um it is m night's most personal film because he you know he's putting him as the writer and he's talking about there's there's a critic in the movie he's putting a critic in the movie and he's making him look stupid because critics are stupid sometimes um i think if we talk about the shot, I think I don't know how you could argue that this movie shot bad. I, I think this there's really cool stuff going on here. I think it's beautiful. Um, M Night really works well in one location settings. Um, I don't. This is is this his first one kind location of the goat film? of the one location. Is this film? his first. I think this is his first one location film. Yeah. yeah. Um, and well, I, I maybe think... maybe Wide Awake is because it's at the school. I haven't seen it. No, I would, and that is, that is probably... to, <laughs> oh, and to to your point, and this is why I love like. M Night discourse on Twitter because I think yeah. it's hilarious how like both sides just don't I guess understand where each other's coming from like every <laughs> everything I just said I disliked about the film you basically came back and said well it's all done on purpose <laughs> and my yeah. thing is like I understand that it just doesn't work for me like I yeah, get taste like, like I absolutely get sure. what M Night's going for I absolutely get that like this is his like lens this is how he writes and shoots movies I get that. It just doesn't work for me at all. And and Lady in the Water is one of those examples where everything just feels so amplified. Like the shitty dialogue just feels so amplified. Paul Giamatti's overacting just feels so amplified. And I get that's what he's going for, but it just does not work for me. It doesn't resonate with me. It doesn't sit well with me. I watch his movies or I watch some of his movies towards the bottom of my ranking and I'm like, I get it. Like I get what he's attempting at here. I get the I get the discourse that oh M Night makes bad movies on purpose. But to me, it's well, just not bad movies. Not bad movies. I mean, well, no. I've seen so many people tweet M Night makes bad movies on purpose. Let's not act like that's not discourse that runs that's around crazy. Twitter. Well, whoever's making that, whoever's starting that discourse is. I've seen that. People say that all the time. That's crazy. But again, I I get what he's going for. I I just I, it just doesn't land for me. It just doesn't. That's I, fine. I don't watch his movies and leave them like oh wow that that really sat well with me. Like I really enjoyed what he was going for there. I think Lady in the Water. I like this movie. Uh, I but I agree. I think this is a misstep for me as well, especially coming off of this four movie stretch, uh, where it's like you know one of the all like kind of like an all time four movie stretch for any director. Um, and then Lady in the Water happens. It's a good movie, but I think it's a, it's just like a step down. I think creatively, it's like kind of a misstep. I think uh, I think maybe like it's, it's personal to a fault, maybe in terms of like how like. A good like it might hit too close to home where it's like him writing about you know like 
you know, when you put a critic in your movie and you make your critic look like a like a dense, they kind of like it's it's not it's not a great look, you know. Like it's maybe yeah. not the best creative decision, but I, I think this movie's good. I think it's really well shot, and I think it's interesting. Well, that's one yeah. Of the I'm on board with I you. Just, I don't understand how this movie could be, um, like a, I don't know. I'm not gonna talk about the one star. Morovich, like I don't think it's possible for this movie to be that negative when it is shot this well. I just don't think. Um, that is possible but i i don't know for me this is one of his most earnest like he's so like optimistic heartwarming i think this is him at his like most vulnerable um and i think that's really interesting to me on the like bad movie thing i think there's like this weird like subset of culture where they watch m night movies to like laugh and like (laughs) like they're like so bad it's good movies which I think is like bizarro land. That's that's great. No, th- people talk about some of my favorite M Night's movies like that. Oh, right. and I, that's that's like that's like yeah, movies like banana shit. They to me. talk about it shit like it's like epic movie or something. Yeah. They, um, no, they talk about is... it like they talk about M Night like he's fucking Tommy Wiseau. Like what <laughs> yeah. the fuck are we like? What are we doing Neil here? Green. Like Neil, yeah, yeah, like Neil perfectly Green. into the next movie. Like, yeah, the yeah. happening. This yeah. happening is a good oh. fucking movie. The happening yeah. is a good. Not even fucking just a good movie. movie a great it's a great timing. movie. This is. I don't care as much about defending Lady in the Water, but the happening. I'm like, uh, just, just because Lady in the Water doesn't connect with me as much, but like the happening. When I rewatched it yesterday, I was like. It blows my mind that people think this is like a like a garbage movie. Like, we if, you just think it's, now? if you think it's yeah, okay, we're on the happening oh, now. Yeah, oh, shit. yeah, let's yeah. Like, if you think it's okay, <laughs> whatever, I could deal with it. I, I find it okay. so hard. Like when I rewatch the happening, and maybe it's just because I've seen it like four or five times now, so I've gotten used to it. But like when I hear somebody just say that this is like one of the worst movies they've ever seen, I'm like, that is crazy to me. Cuckoo bananas land. <laughs> yeah. So for me, <laughs> okay, the, happening, it, the happening is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah. That's I think crazy. Uh, I, I, I frequently rank the last airbender and the happening as like the two worst movies I've ever seen. Do you have the this la- at a half star? Yeah. The last Break airbender, <laughs> the last airbender, I will admittedly like it, it, that's just mainly because of my love for the TV show, and I think that movie absolutely shits on it. So I know that movie's not maybe a half a star worthy, but for what it did to the TV show, it's just absolute ass. Um, my thing with M. Night is just to take you back, uh, I think Tommy, uh, Jesus, Tommy, Doug, you mentioned Tommy Wisu. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I did not mean to call you Tommy. <laughs> that was not an insult or anything. Um, but yeah, you, you guys talk about M. Night like. Um, you know, he cares about his ideas. He cares about, um, you know, being this, you know, romantic. He cares about, you know, being very personal in his scripts. And while um, it does, it can come off a little, uh, you know, spoofy, I think, to a casual moviegoer who's not necessarily looking at his ideas or looking at, you know, how personal he is within this film, how much of him is instilled in this film. Uh, a lot of people are looking at this like, okay, well, all of that came off, yeah, maybe a little bit spoofy to me because to a casual moviegoer who's not necessarily focusing on, you know, exactly what these characters are saying, the dialogue or the deep themes of the movie, they're sitting there watching, you know, Paul Giamatti overact his ass off, which can come off a little comical. They're sitting there watching Bryce Dallas Howard, Bryce Dallas Howard uh, kind of come off childish, which, yes, it's intended, but it can come off a little spoofy at times. And then same thing with... 
um, like, uh, you know, Joaquin's performance in The Village, while it is awesome, and I do think he's one of the shining lights of that movie, to a lot of people, coupling that performance with that odd dialogue style is going to come off a little spoofy to them. And The Happening, to me, is a culmination of everything I hate about M. Night as a filmmaker. Um, but... It is as obnoxious as possible. Um, I get what he's trying to say um, about, you know, environmental issues and all that jazz. Um, it just comes off so cringe to me. And, and this is the most, this is the most, uh, what did I literally just say about um, Twitter discourse? This is the most he makes bad movies on purpose type of M. Night movie where I feel like he genuinely tried to make a bad movie because he thought it would come off intelligent or he thought it would have more weight uh on these themes that he's trying to uh you know vocalize to the public but to me it just comes off so disgustingly ass mark Wahlberg giving arguably not arguably the worst performance uh of his career uh, maybe, that's crazy maybe that's one of the crazy. worst have you seen it might but, it's one of his best better ones bro have yeah, you seen fucking I, i'd like, i'd argue that addison ray and he's all that gave a better performance yeah. than mark Wahlberg in the happening i mean we can start addison ray discourse if you want but yeah, I, think, I mean we're, I, we're fans of addison ray yeah, over here on our podcast I, addison ray friend of the pod come on the show um i think it's a little um among all of those critiques i think what stood out to me is you saying that it's not very intelligent because uh i mean one of my big takeaways what makes up a lot of my favorite movies is just like very strong political movies i don't think there are many filmmakers who could uh pull off uh, a, a movie with this good of political commentary i think it is it's, like it's actually political commentary in crazy. several ways yeah um especially when you look at this movie as uh obviously the environmentalism stuff you mentioned and i think that's a really cool idea i think it's cool that it's the environment fighting back against people um like the environment killing people uh after everything we've done to the planet but i yeah. think more specifically when you look at it as a, a post 9 11 movie it is just one of the best examples of capturing the hysteria, the response to how news spreads across the country uh, in a post 9-11 world that yeah. we've ever seen on film. It's people, it's people seeing anything that scares them and calling it terrorism, which is very much what America looked like post 9-11. It's, it's news spreading faster than the virus does. It's people hearing about what's happening in one part of the country before the contaminated air even gets there. And then the mass hysteria that happens as a result of it. And it's one of those things that because of what our political landscape in America looks like in the modern day is going to apply to every post 9-11 situation. Like you could watch this as a COVID movie and it yeah, works entirely. Um, so I just think, uh, you know, the other critiques, it's like, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. But I, I think this is a really intelligent movie. I think that few people could, could have this kind of political commentary in a movie and nail it this much. Yeah. I mean, the happening straight up, I think is this is the best recreation of nine 11 in cinema. Like the right. opening scene where all the people die in, uh, in like by central, yeah central park um in new york at the beginning of the movie right like and then like have that cut to mark Wahlberg in the school and then have like oh like something's happening in new york in the school i think like i think that no other filmmaker has has recreated 9 11 
as 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 powerfully not maybe not as powerfully but like as like as like specifically and as like um with like with like so much couth you know as yeah. m night did in this um in the happening it's it's so it like watch rewatching the movie for the first time in years i was like yesterday this is the only movie i watched to prep for this podcast yesterday i was like oh my god you know i was like yeah. holy shit um and yeah. <laughs> um and like it, the whole thing is also it's about like it's like this crazy commentary on like 9-11 and the Iraq war and like in a way, cause I, people always talk about the environmental stuff and I was like, bro, this movie's about the Iraq war. And I'm like, yeah. this is crazy. This is fucking crazy. What he's doing here in fucking 2008 saying that America deserved 9-11 and like this, in yeah. like this really insane, like, like couth, like, like saying, like saying like the, the quiet part, it's like whispering the quiet part, you know? And yeah. it's, I'd, I'd say I mean, you saw my review already. And, and like, I pointed yeah. out the line, there's a line where the, where uh, Kendall Roy, <laughs> when you texted us, you said Kendall Roy, where Kendall Roy shows up as, as a, like someone in the army. And, and one of the characters is like, Oh, it's the army. We're safe. Which is like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that it, it is like, kind of like the, these are like the, these two clashing ideas that, that the movie presents so well, which is like that, like, Americans thinking that the that the army is a sign of safety uh while everything else in the movie is just fear based like there's just so like this whole movie revolves around fear and and how we respond to it and um and to think that like M night yeah back in 2008 when it wasn't as a as popular to kind of diss the diss the military <laughs> um he he just went ahead and and did that and was like yeah you guys love the military but you're scared of all this other stuff it's it's just really fascinating and i will even I'll also put, point out um that that stuff's all cool but we're fucking nerds and most people don't give a shit yeah um, right, right. but then it's also like uh even the performances zoe dash uh zoe uh dachanel dachanel yeah. i like her performance a lot in this movie i do yeah i think that she I... captures having anxiety and being like a like an anxious uh person um i think that she communicates that to the audience very very well yeah. i think it's like I she think it's literally like, yeah. reminds me of myself when i'm having a panic attack yeah, <laughs> like, like, <several laughs> moments. i'm like this is I just normal to me she is a top tier like maybe like top six at night performance i yeah she's yeah. phenomenal in that movie um i called this movie proto old in my review but i think <laughs> it's just more of a natural progression of his dialogue and the way that he writes his characters um, I think I called it absurdity matching absurdity. I think you talked about Lady in the Water. I think that's, um, I don't know what you would call it, but fairy tale kind of dialect matching fairy tale um, world. I think um, there is a very interesting thing that he taps into here with the dialogue. Um, but I also would just say that this movie is so visually strong that I think you'd have to be a blind man to the call shot? this one of the worst movies of all time. The shot. The I, shot. I can't um, see anything, bro. I can't no, see a bro, thing. No, bro, bro, George, George. <laughs> the shot in this movie, right, where it's like, uh, it's not New York. I think it's in Philadelphia when the virus hits Philadelphia, right? And it's like the guy, and the, yeah, it's the policeman in the car. <laughs> yeah. The policeman yeah. shoots himself with, like, shoots himself in the head. The gun drops. The guy gets the, the hold on the, the gun. Camera. The guy yeah. gets out of the the guy gets out of the car, yeah, picks the up the gun, shoots himself. The gun drops. Um, camera pivots somebody walks over from the sidewalk to pick up the gun that shit is crazy that shit's crazy uh yeah, yeah i think that's so good like it's like i don't even think this is one of those movies where it's it's so like well shot but i think the way that the, the happening works because everything else is so strong as well 
but I, I just don't see how it can be like a 2.0 or something when it and, is shot this well. It has uh, a 1.99 average on Letterboxd. Okay, yeah. Kind of criminal. I think, um, I think we've um, lost our way. And so, and I think we've lost our <laughs> way. I, I don't think we really have a grand understanding of the visual medium. Um, no, people are it, watching movies know. like Bryce Ellis Howard in the Village, bro. What is like, yeah, I don't know. Because any Netflix movie that will come out which just like, looks like garbage. Heart of Stone like a, probably has a higher fucking average like than a shit. Like yeah. five at least. I just, I, don't, I just don't believe it. I don't think it is. Um, I don't think most of it is is really yeah. and i just we always talk about sorry i'm sorry Owen. we always no, talk about not. we always talk about m night's uh like style being like oh unnatural and like it feels weird and stuff it's like he made a whole movie where he uses that as like a strength where he uses that as like a thematic mm-hmm. element because it's like it's like uh, another thing that stuck out to me when we were watching it i was like oh like everything feels fucking fake on purpose like instantly from the very first second of the movie we're like oh this isn't real life you know and it's yeah. like he's using that because it's like you know what happens like when the happening happens real life doesn't feel real anymore you know yeah. it's it, yeah know. well it's, it's cool i think when we talk about like bad movies on purpose i think it also not also i think we're talking about and well i'm not saying bad movies on purpose but i think the the more like it kind of gets telephoned into like translated into the wrong thing I think it is stilted and absurdity most of the time um, and not bad. I, I think going back to the painting, I think it is anti-realism and I think it is just absurdity. But I think what Doug was saying, I think when things are weird in real life and when things are not normal, um, like that's just like, I don't know. It, I think it's the perfect portrait of like real life disaster. I think this is like an ultimate disaster movie in terms of like just feeling weird Um yeah, I think Mar Balgro's great. Um, it's I think this movie is incredibly sad. I think this is probably M Night at his saddest. I think it is almost we talk about part of old Proto Knock at the Cabin when we're talking about disaster movies and the end of the world. Um, I think that is something that M Night fears. Um, you talk about family. There's this great sense of like these are the people I need to protect. And what is going to happen if the world is ending and I don't know what to do and I need to protect these people. Um, there's, it's a, I don't know. It's, just, it's one of those funny movies where it's like people will put this on just to laugh. And I think this movie makes me cry more than it does make yeah. me laugh. Can I? <laughs> like I think this movie it is, is a little depressing. silly also. It is Can silly. I, I think there's movies that it, it's weird. It's, it has a great balance of it. I think there's tons of scenes where I'm laughing because Mark Wahlberg is phenomenal in this movie. I think he's really funny in this movie. But I think it's also very, I think this movie's just very sad. Like, two kids get shotgunned, like, point blank. And, like, right. you just kind of have to live with that. And I think some of the, like, some of that is could be played as, like, jokes. But I think there's almost this, like, weird balance of, like, like horror and comedy kind of, like, on the same wavelength. But it's almost playing with, like, horror and, like, really sad shit. Um, and comedy at, like the same time, um, I think really is interesting. I I wanted to mention because you say it's sad. The last thing I wanted to talk about is the ending of the movie because we were talking about how smart he is and and how like politically aware this movie is. And when you put all the post nine eleven politics stuff aside and you just look at it as like a climate change movie, there's you know like the ending is extremely sad because this thing happens like the happening happens right and and if you look at it as a metaphor for climate change it happens in this one like distinct area of the country uh and then it just ends and then everything like goes on and then the ending is just it happening in another place which 
it, like is just so clearly like the best metaphor you can make for climate change because it's just all of these outbursts of climate disasters happening all over the planet and people just not really caring one after the other until you know it's too late eventually which like yeah when you say it's sad it's just like most of his movies are pretty hopeful this one is just kind of like oh this is just going to keep happening over and over again until we actually like do something about it like you guys survived that first one um and there's just going to be more <laughs> one one thing i love about film is like listening to people talk about movies they love because i know we're, we're not going to agree on m night we're just not but like listening to the three of you like genuinely like love this man and his movies just like warms my heart because like that's the way <laughs> i talk about other filmmakers and just listening to you guys just defend the shit out of this man is just very heartwarming at how much you like love his filmography do you want to say where we have it in his ranking second to last uh, i have it ninth by the three stars so i still i think it's okay it's too high yeah, for me, there's two M. Night movies that I kind of like. I'm just going to like remove myself, obviously, other than the ones I haven't seen. But The Happening and Old are the two that like I can't really speak on because The Happening was like the perfect storm for me to not like it because this is the first M. Night movie I ever saw. And it was when my fiance, at the time girlfriend, but not fiance, were in Universal Studios. And we were like a whole day. We were like walking around the park, like super tired, got back to our hotel. And we're like, let's just throw on a movie. And we did, like, this is when like it probably like just released on Netflix, so it's like the classic like you open Netflix, it's like the big banner movie. So like sure, throw it on. Um, I've never been like a huge Mark Wahlberg guy. I mean, I love him like Boogie Nights. Um, Nobody and, should like, be a huge Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I, I really don't like Zoe Deschanel. Like I'm I'm not a new girl guy like at all. So like, oh. this is like oh new girl yeah. so fun. I, love nah, I, I know it's a hot take. It's whatever. <laughs> new girl and Friends are both just like incredibly mid. To oh, me. I can't. No. I think hot Friends. Time. I think Friends is so much worse than New Girl. Oh, okay, stop. Bad. But um, <laughs> this is great. but so basically, it's like two actors I don't love. M Night, like I literally have never seen a movie of his. So I had no clue what to expect, and we, I was just exhausted from the day of like walking around the park all the time. So right now I have a one star. I I don't know if that's an excuse, and if I got rewatch it, it still could be a one star. But <laughs> but um, yeah, like literally, like that's why I just didn't really talk to him. That's because like this. Yeah, my no, my I opinion think, doesn't really matter. No, that was a glimpse of what the looks like a movie podcast is like when we yeah. all agree on the movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's my number. It's my number. I'd be interested to see you rewatch it, Tyler, because I do think you'd probably enjoy it more. I think it's kind of a wild movie to be the first time night someone watches. Yeah, what is so much of like him? It you know it's style heavy for what he's doing. Um, That's crazy. Tyler, did you wait, Tyler? Did you watch movies as a kid? Like, did you watch movies growing up and stuff? Yeah, but for some reason M Night. Like, I mean, like, what M Night movie really it's, appeals to a kid though? Like, the like, Sixth, Sixth Sense. Sense. I watched the movie when I was really. I watched Sixth Sense. And I, this was dude, my first M Night movie. I, as I well. avoided any dude. I was like the most chicken person ever. Like to me as a kid, like that was probably okay. like insidious level to me. I remember. Like, oh, okay. like my parents. Like I, remember, I was watching Shutter Island with my parents as a kid when I was like young, and like the opening scene started, and they were going to that insane asylum, and I like started hyperventilating, and went upstairs. Like this is too much for me. Shutter <laughs> Island. Like I'm out. Yeah, it's like a, yeah. almost started crying in my family's living room. Like this is too intense for me, guys. I remember watching. Watching the happening when did that came out what oh seven two thousand eight two thousand eight so yeah what was that? I was like twelve so I wasn't even that young but I remember sitting in the living room uh, with my parents watching the happening and the scene comes on uh, where everyone like just walks off a building yeah and I remember watching that scene that traumatized <laughs> and I was like I'm go I'm going to my room I actually had the exact same experience I had that this was also my first M nine movie because I had this on Blu ray and I put it in my PlayStation and I remember watching I remember watching that scene when everybody jumps off the building and I was like this movie's terrifying and I was like, I was like nine, eight years old or nine years old or whatever I was like damn that's actually really fucking scary because the shot the you know what? I'll praise yeah. M. Night. The shot of that is really cool because, like, the camera yeah. is, like, right underneath. So people are just heading straight towards the camera. Yeah. And I remember sitting there, like, a traumatized 12-year-old. I'm like, <laughs> I should not be watching this movie right now. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that covers the happening. I think we all knew going into this that, that was going to be the one that was going to be the most dense for discussion. So we're going to talk about it the most. So I'm, I'm happy we spent a good amount of time on it. Um, well, next, the last Airbender. <laughs> we'll start with George because obviously <laughs> he's a huge, huge <laughs> Avatar the Last Airbender fan. You have the tattoo, right? Right, you have a tattoo. Is yeah. that the one right on your wrist right there? Yeah. So obviously you're like a massive, massive fan. So this movie, not so much. Um, go ahead, you get to start. Yeah. This one. Uh, yeah, first off, Doug and Owen, I've seen you guys tweet about the last ever TV show, how only children <laughs> like that show. Yeah. We we, we won't I, talk. Okay. No, 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 it's okay, cool. Wait, 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 no, I, I liked it as a kid. I liked it as a kid. I had it all, I had all, I had, I had all of, I had the whole series on uh, DVD. I, I would like make my babysitter play it and stuff. I tried to rewatch it as like an adult over it's the a pandemic. Kid show. And I was like, it's a kid's show. It's I couldn't get into it. It's fully a kid's show. No, yeah. it's, I will not argue against that at all. It is fully a kid's show, but I, I just love that show for just... I grew up on it. I, I it meant so much to me as a kid. Um, so I just absolutely love that show. And again, like I said earlier, my half a star in this movie is probably uh, very deflated just because of what the show means to me. And I think this movie comes. I think in that's you and every other person that gave it a half star. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like th- this Not movie me. came in. This movie came in and basically shit on every single amazing aspect of the show. Um, there was a lot of uh, characters. There were a lot of stories that just were not reminiscent of the TV show. He excluded a lot of characters like the Kyoshi Warriors, which I think was just absolutely wild. Um, but yeah, it's it's just one of those things where I haven't rewatched this movie in years. I don't plan on it. I'm going to leave it at a half a star just because of my hate towards it. Um, even if I rewatch it and I'm like, oh, it's not that bad, I'd still probably leave it at a half a star <laughs> just, because, <Yeah. laughs> just because of how much I dislike what it does to the TV show. Um, but again, Question, I know... George, is it like a, would you say like, if you took out your love for the show, I've not seen it. Is it actually that bad as a film? I, I mean, I no, still think not, it is a bad not. film, but it's probably not half a star bad. If I, mean... I, I'll say this. I agree. I think this movie's bad. I, I do. I, I watched yeah. it for, for our own end night pod that we did like yeah. six, seven, eight months ago. Um, I rewatched it cause I hadn't seen it since I was in the theater as a kid. Um, uh, and I rewatched it uh, now so far removed from my relationship with the show. Um, and I was just like, yeah, it's like, it's a bad adaptation. Like it's a misguided adaptation of the source material, but like the movie's like, it's just kind of a bad action movie. You know, it's like, yeah. like, it's, it's like, just, it's just a regular yeah. bad. Movie. It's just a, yeah. yeah, it's just like, okay for me. Um, it's my like lowest ranked film. It's, yeah. it's like but one yeah, of those things where it's like, I like you guys also said, like M night just came off of this, you know, six cents through the village run. Um, yeah. and now he did lady in the water and the happening, which were, you know, I know you guys love the movies, but they're not but, very like, the critically public, like, critics didn't like it. Yeah, they're the not very critically like received or audience received. So I guess what to I believe it was Doug or Owen who mentioned it. Like, okay, let's make this last Airbender movie, maybe to you know regain my my mass appeal to the general public, and just backfired on him like fucking crazy. Yeah, I will say though, like this. Uh, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm dominating, but the, with The Last Airbender, very specifically with this movie, I, I, I feel so bad for M. Night as a human being, because this is not his fault. This like He, the, he gets the yeah. most shit for yeah, this movie. This is not his fault. This movie uh, yeah. is like... <laughs> it's hard when you have any IP adaptation to to yeah, have full yeah. control as a director, but for me, like just, just a Seth's comment, um, so I'm, I'm probably like the most middle of the road M. Night guy here. Like I, I tend to like him, but I, I definitely dislike some of his films, but I'm not as high as the three guys on the bottom. So I'd say for me, I'd never, I'd only seen the first season ever of the original Avatar show. So, and I, I never had like a great, a personal attachment to it ever. So didn't really care. Like 
if like the adaptation was bad or not in terms of like ruining my perception on the show. But I genuinely like just ob- objectively thought, thought this is not objectively, but in terms of like bias of the show aside, I just thought it was a bad movie. Like I really did not enjoy it. I was quite bored. I thought all the kid performances were quite rough, which like shout out Dev Patel for like going on to the career he had after this. Cause like yeah. low key could have been like a career killer for someone trying to break out the his hall. career. <laughs> but um, yeah, so shout out to him. But I, I, I really didn't enjoy any like the kid castings, which it, it's always really hard to get right in like any kids movie adaptation. But yeah, it's just, I, I didn't care for the action. You guys know, like for me, like same, same thing, like 65, if someone tries to make like an action engaging story and they miss like i'm like super harsh on it just like for me like not like i try to be it's just like i just get so completely zoned out like and i'm just like i hate this movie so much like 65 and the last airbender are kind of similar for me in that <laughs> i love i love owen's letterbox review of the last airbender i mean it's not that bad <laughs> yeah, true i mean that's like an accurate assessment of the movie yeah, yeah like um <laughs> because i think it's fine like i think it's just a fine kids movie um which is like okay <laughs> be like it's like when talk, Doug talks about it, like it's not um, more of his movie, I think it's just the, when it, it's like a weird movie to even defend because it's like I don't think it's that great. I think it is annoying when people will be online and will basically be like, <laughs> "Oh, they, like M Night will have a new like Knock at the Cabin came out and everyone was like, "Oh, this is the guy that made the last Airbender. We're not watching this." Basically, um, and I think I, I've mentioned this before to like Doug and Kevin. I think someone really someone commented this on one of my things and it was basically like if david lynch has made dune right and then every film he made after that everyone was like oh this is the guy that made dune yeah. i'm not watching this which is like a okay movie of a, a bad adaptation um i think the difference is that it is a social media and b it is a kid's uh thing because i think people get really attached to these kids like, yeah that. yeah which I totally understand it. I totally get why people don't like it. I don't like it really. It's not in a movie I really think about that much. I think it's fine. The, um, the funny thing just... is for the last Airbender, and you know, I'll let the three guys at the bottom correct yeah. me if I'm wrong here. Um, I feel like th- th- this is one of the movies, very obviously, where it's not. It, yeah, it's an M Night movie, but it's not really his movie. It's not really his voice. Yeah. It's not really his yeah. lens. I feel like if M Night genuinely wanted to adapt the last Airbender the way he wanted to adapt it. I think this would have been like a PG-13 R-rated movie that does not appeal to kids at all. Maybe. I think M. Night just doesn't care about the show. Yeah. I think yeah, I, I just wouldn't think, want yeah. to do it. Yeah. 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 We, we just talked about it before. I think it's just like he was kind of – he likes – we talked about some, uh, one location, smaller things. He's worked with bigger cast before, but I, I think this is just way too big of a thing for him where yeah. he didn't really know how to handle it. Was and it, it was really like, high budget? Yeah. I think it was, was like it? hundred something million. I, I oh, it, it, it was it was just like they were. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a weird kind million. of yeah. It's a oh, weird yeah. thing where it's like I also he, think, I think it made it, money too. I'm yeah, sure it did. Sure, yeah, probably. I'm confident. I remember it. seeing it in theaters. Yeah, I saw it in theaters. But um, you guys have been talking a, a lot of this uh, runtime about how M Night kind of has this thing for for water and um, yeah. se- season one of. The Last Airbender, which is what this movie adapted, is called Book One Water. So I wonder, like, I know, um, you know, if he does love, you know, water as much yeah. as you guys. There's like a world where he does like a like an interesting kind of spiritual water thing, you know. Uh, yeah. well, but no, my think... my thing is like I, I feel like he may have 
agreed to tackle this movie because he expected himself to have a lot more creative freedom and kind of work in yeah. this, you know, love of water or whatever he, he loves telling. And then I guess got there and they just didn't give him, you know, the, 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 the voice that he wanted. I don't think there's a world where M. Night makes a good adaptation. I think there's a world where he makes a good movie. I, I don't yeah. think that he. I don't think or, he was. That's what I was, that's what I was about to say. Because yeah. if he had full yeah. creative control, this movie might even get more hate, just because <laughs> so many of the people who hate it just talk about, like you said, like it's well, just not yeah. the TV show. Yeah. So because it's like, it's like I think people like I think people Last Airbender fans because like I think that the hot the Last Airbender hive is really kind of crazy. I think there are a lot of crazy people in there. Um, not 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 even just crazy in a bad way, but I mean like really crazy about the show, you know. And I think yeah. that it's like for an adaptation for them, uh, it has to be like like they they want like a like a super fan to like make it and like be like and like have it be like kind of like maybe a little fan servicey, but like very accurate, you know. And and like just like there's no way he's a fan of the show. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, we can probably leave the Last Airbender there. I think that's the one like most people can agree on whether you love M Night or hate M Night. I think everyone kind of agrees it's just like not great. Um. Next up, this one. So we're not going to go in depth into this one, but he, at this point in his career, <laughs> no, I'm not talking about After Earth. At this point in his career, he wrote and produced uh, Devil was would be the next like film he kind of worked on. Um, based on your letterbox reviews, both Seth, Doug, and those are the only ones I haven't logged. Just two and a half, three stars. A very just like middle of the road. But just I, I haven't logged it, but I, I've seen Devil. I thought the same. I was like, yeah, it was. Oh, I, I didn't Devil. hate watching it. Yeah, I, was I just, I just director want to throw page. that in. Yeah, he wrote Devil, right? Yeah, wrote, and cool. he was the main producer. So I just like threw oh, that in, shit. just, so, just kind of, just because we're going like his timeline. Yeah, this is like when, one. this is oh, when yeah, Devil yeah. kind of yeah. hit. I didn't I know he wrote that one. Yeah, that movie's cool. It's like, I mean, it's not. It would have been better if he directed it, you know. But it's also like not especially in the elevator, one shot, one scene. Yeah, yeah. But then, of course, the next movie he directed was After Earth, starring the father-son duo Will and Jaden Smith. Uh, 2013 is when this came out. Uh, this is one that for me, I didn't think it was terrible. I just didn't love it. I think I gave it like a yeah, 1.5. I, I can't remember what my main critiques were, so I'll, I'll go try and refresh myself while you guys talk about it. But I, I definitely didn't hate it nearly as much as like The Last Airbender, but I, I didn't love it. And I don't know if you guys, if this is one where it's like the happening for you, where it's like all-timer. This is all-timer, rocks, yeah. All-timer, all no. <laughs> this, is a, this is a big Doug and Owen movie. This is, yeah, uh, this not movie so is not like... Not so much a me movie, but a them movie, for Oh, sure. baby. No, well, that, so, bro, After Earth is like the foundation of me and Owen's friendship in a lot of ways. Uh, <laughs> so we talk about Wide Awake as a Harvey Weinstein movie. Um, <laughs> After Earth is way more of a Will Smith movie than an M. Night movie. So it almost feels weird in the ranking itself or even just talking about it because I After do Earth think it's so fucking, much of a Will Smith movie. project. But I do think a lot of it like does work to M. Night Shrinks. I think Will Smith wrote it. Um, I think Gary Widow helped. Uh, Gary doesn't even like the movie. He trashes it on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but it is, it is more of like Will Smith brings on M. Night and being like, hey, this is my idea. Help me you know, do my idea. I am, but it, obviously like the father-son thing really works for me. I think Jaden Smith's whole character and his, ex his anxiety um, and him just yes. like, you know, entering this new world and having to kind of, it, it is very interesting, especially like a time of my life right now. I think it is very um, important to me. I, I love this movie. I think I, I like Jaden a lot. I think I like Will a lot. Um, I think it's very interesting just having to you know, actors and kind of um, there is this weird meta aspect of it all of um, 
will kind of have to step back and letting Jaden kind of be his own person. I would um, say there's, there's, a, a, there's a huge, cool-ass oh, yeah. meta aspect. There's, a, there's like a giant <laughs> like meta-like thing. Like this movie is just a one-to-one kind of representation of Jaden and Will's kind of um, real-life relationship. It's really interesting to me. Yeah, like Will Smith was like, yo, dog. <laughs> no, literally, this just... Okay, uh, sorry. Yo, dog. Will Smith is a fucking kind of probably a bad dad. I, I mean, I'm just like, outside looking in. Outside looking in. Okay, outside looking in. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. him in real life. This is all Hollywood shit, you know? But like, outside looking in from what the information we get, it's like... Because, like, <laughs> Will Smith basically told fucking Jaden and Willow, he was like, man, I only know how to make movies. So if you guys, like, want to, if you guys want me to be a present father, you guys got to be in movies. That's crazy. So then, like, they <laughs> tried to be in movies. And this was, like, you know, Jaden Smith, uh, he did, like, the, I almost said Kung Fu Panda, Karate Kid. He did the Karate Kid movie or whatever. And now um, this is, like, uh, Jaden Smith is, like, older. He's, like, you know, you know uh, a little bit older. And this is him doing After Earth. And this was, like, Will Smith being, like, okay, dude, this is on you now. Like, you got to. This is like this is you're the fucking Will Smith like insisted that Jaden Smith be top build in After Earth, um and he was like you gotta you gotta carry this whole fucking movie, um this whole End Night Shyamalan movie, um and then uh and in the movie obviously it's all about you know Will Smith is a whatever like a military guy and he gets hurt and then he has to look at his son and he's like you gotta do this on your own buddy, um it's very interesting uh and then Jaden Smith hated and then he never was in a movie again. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, it comes at a weird time where I think I always think of this like Straw Hat Goofy video where he's like, Oh, this go. trailer looks interesting. And then he sees M Knight's name and then he like sighs. Um, I think yeah. I, yeah, I saw the video. That's like the they, peak of this. I did not Yeah, see so it's the peak of that, but it is also Jaden Smith. People don't really like Jaden Smith here. Like, it's like, we're tired of this kid in every Will yeah. Smith movie. It's like, so it all Jaden like, Smith goodwill is gone by this point. <laughs> so it's like, it is like, oh, enough of this kid already. We liked Will Smith, but come on, stop pushing this kid on me. And then Will's like, he's top build, and M. Knight's gonna direct it. And yeah. And it's like, and then and then you like, and then no. like you start watching the movie, and it's like Will Smith is doing this weird fucking accent, and everybody's like, "What the hell is going on?" I was gonna mention that I, Will Smith and accents is weird for me because, of course, Concussion is another one where he had a really wild accent, and I just yeah. anytime he has to pull off like anything other than his normal speaking voice, it just like really takes me out of the movie. Like Concussion with the whole like tell the truth, like and never memeing that yeah. over and over. Yeah. Um, Even King Richard, he had a pretty King big Richard, accent. Yeah, like, doesn't he? I haven't seen it, but doesn't he do a really good job playing Muhammad Ali? with like the nuances yeah. of like his speech patterns and stuff oh, he's fantastic like, in that he's movie. great in that movie yeah, yeah, that's Mums? a michael mann movie yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah i mean right. um but yeah it's a weird i don't know like about the promotional stuff or something but i i could very well like but, understand people going into this but like oh will smith and then he like is like injured in a plane for the movie <laughs> like and then they're yeah, like the hating movie. it on that yeah um, yeah i think this is a really weird artifact of m night's career that doesn't entirely fit but sort of fits and it's not it's like a, his favorite good, movie, obviously, because it's a four hire thing. But I yeah. don't have any issues with it. But even was, like talking about the Will Smith of it is also really interesting because like people, people, somebody on Twitter on fucking Owens mentions, I think, <laughs> um, was like, bro, because I was like, After Earth is a good movie, whatever, something I, some something I would say, something yeah. I'm likely to say, um, and then somebody like replied to me, some fucking 
Glove Shido replied to me and was like, "Bro, don't you know that After Earth is Scientologist propaganda?" And I was like, "You just you haven't seen the movie if you think it's like just straight up Scientology propaganda." And he linked me like a Vulture article, and I'm like, "Bro, watch the movie." Like, um, but it, it yeah. is true though, it, and I think it, like it goes like like Will Smith met with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise kind of like got him into fucking dialectics, uh, Dianetics, which is like the like a like a Scientology. Um, thing uh, and uh it's like interesting it's something that actors get roped into a lot because like dianetics is all about like having full master of your emotions and this movie's all about fucking dianetics um and, and it's all about like like you know you have to control your fear like fear is a choice emotion is a choice you can argue that's problematic right uh i would argue it's cool i think it um, works wonders yeah um anyways uh, this movie rocks. Now you guys talk about why it's a half star. You know? No, like one thing like, I was really impressed with with this movie because like again, like I was really late to the M Night Train. So by the time I've seen all his movies, except obviously Knock at the Cabin, uh, I all the discourse is kind of already out at this point about the movie. Um, actually, by the way, old was my first M Night movie, not the happening. Um, but after Earth, the visual effects and like everything from a technical aspect, like actually really blew me away when I watched this for the first time a couple months ago. I was like, this is actually like a really good looking movie. And it's what, 10 years ago. So I guess it's not like that long ago, but I think visually it looks really great. I just didn't love, and I know like it probably makes sense with like, it'd be interesting to revisit because the meta aspect you guys are talking about between like how the relationship is between Will and Jaden in real life. But I didn't really like get much from their relationship in this movie. And I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I just, I'm not a Jaden Smith guy. And obviously he kind of has to, put this whole movie on his back. So if you're not really digging his performance is going to kind of fall apart a bit. But one thing that's interesting that Owen mentioned is like, or on Twitter, like I, I can't remember where you said this. You said like acting like isn't real or something. You said like performances, oh, yeah. like, like yeah. there's no such thing as a good or bad performance. Likely like, thing for him to say. Really interested yeah. to see what you mean by that. <laughs> um, I don't think it really sways me. Um, I think it is more, I've talked about this in the lady in the water thing, but it's like writing isn't really that real for me either. Um, it is more of like what we're doing what with is writing and what we're doing with acting than the question. actual writing or acting themselves. But isn't um, acting what you isn't that what you isn't that what acting is though? Taking no, but it's more of like with it? I mean, it's less of like a good or bad thing, and then like an, a more of an emotional thing. It's 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 less of or maybe it's I guess realism. Like it's a weird way to like word it's not it. Every it's just all. a trolley way of putting it. It's, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's like it's, getting it's, a reaction a, out of it. It's a like, trolley way to put it. <laughs> I I think here I think Jaden is wonderful. I think he does exactly yeah. what I want him to do. I think he's has like a really raw emotion to him. He plays a freaked out fourteen year old because that's what uh, you he would be in this fucking movie is a freaked out fourteen year old yeah, that's like trying I, to be a grown up, but he's not. The accents don't bother me because i'm not really picking up on that as the much. accents were a swing and a miss but i think it's a really interesting swing i don't uh, think they yeah there's one thing with this movie that i think is quite interesting and i think i talked about like there's nothing wrong with it i don't think it's necessarily something wrong with it but i think there it would have been viewed better in the public eye if earth wasn't so bland um <laughs> because i like it doesn't affect me when i'm watching the movie but if i were to make this movie like the perfect movie Earth would have been weirder. Um, I, well, it's I like there's like that, disagree. Yeah, yeah, I disagree. I don't, I don't hate it, but I, I also think like if I were to make like the coolest version of this, I think Earth would have been a little weirder. But I think there's like this funny story of like them selling like this like Jaden Smith toy, and it's just yeah. like Jaden Smith and like a there little. Was it's like no merchandise. Generic. Yeah, um, they, there was one production, one 
figure made. It was a J- it was just a Jaden Smith action figure, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was the only piece of merchandise made. It was one. It was a prototype. After they made it, the movie came out. It fucking like the movie bombed. They like, canceled the production line. No merchandise was made for this movie. Yeah, <laughs> and there's like there's this whole like book of like all the things in it. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. That's Will not Smith thought this was going to be Avatar. Will Smith went into this, made, made this movie thinking he was making Avatar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I, what if James Cameron made this movie? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> he did. It's called Avatar and it's better. But no, like... <laughs> I know. I know. But I, I, there's nothing, that's not a negative for me. Um, but I just, I do think people would have liked it more if that was the case. I, I will say before, I will say, I think, af- I'll go on the record on the Real Talk podcast episode 54 and say um, <laughs> that uh, After Earth is the most underrated movie of all time. Um, like, straight up. I look at the, I'm on the page right no. now on my phone, the Letterbox <laughs> page, a no. 1.7. That's, yeah, that's like I don't blasphemous. Think, I don't, oh, that's so crazy. I don't know if you can name another 1.7 movie that's that good. I, I, I have like don't... this much good stuff going for it. Um, and I think Tyler mentioned the like the visual stuff. I mean, like that's what M Night was really here to kind of aid. Um, there's this great like kind of like sheet thing that like is like weighing back. That's probably one of my favorite like all time M Night little scenes. I think that's great. Um, yeah, I just there's really nothing wrong with it. I think it hits home with me um, emotionally, um, and I think the performances are really interesting. And that whole meta aspect is is bizarre. It's it's an interesting movie. I think that's. I think we have a lot of non-interesting movies. There's so many movies that are not interesting. And I think for this movie to be so interesting, um, there's just so much to kind of talk about. Yeah. I mean, there's like 300 movies that come out every year on, on Netflix alone um, that are like worse than this movie. There's just not a thought there. There's nothing to really grab on. And I think there's so much here. There's so much interesting stuff. And I think the worst thing you could kind of do as a filmmaker is make something uninteresting. Um, Something like wide awake. You know, I think that's like, that's the antithesis of like, you know, studio, like, garbage, bland, you know, copy and paste. And I think this is, you know, it's set, kind of put in this weird, like, for hire era, but I think this is really interesting as well. Um, way George, more interesting Seth, than the other Do you have one. anything to add on the After Earth discourse? I, I haven't sure. seen After Earth in a while. I don't actually hate it. I'm kind of the same mm-hmm. as you, Tyler, where I think visually it was really good. I didn't really feel that much of a dynamic because I don't particularly like Jaden Smith. I think that kind of requires that. But I think I should rewatch it because it's been a couple of years. I just currently have it like a two star, um, so I just just below average. It's not something I hate, but it's not something I'm itching to watch again. Um, but I, I kind of it's one of those where I, I get why people love it, but I also simultaneously really get why people don't like it. Um, I'm just very meh on it. I don't have any strong opinions towards it. Yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely love to dump on this movie right now, but I'll give it the benefit of the doubt because I haven't seen it. I saw this movie once ever. It was in theaters with my dad, and we both walked out. Just I'm gonna throw it out there, That's George. I don't think movie. this is the I don't think this is the movie for you, dog. <laughs> yeah, I, listen. <laughs> I don't think you need to rewatch it. You're you're onto something there, dog. <laughs> um, but well, something that is George's speed because big found footage guy. Yeah, yeah. Let's let the, me. Is this quick. like is this your like favorite? M. This, movie, the this visit? is my number one ranked M. Is Night. It? Oh, wow. so we're off with you. Let's go. Yeah, The Visit is my number one ranked M. Night movie um, for, for Kevin, Doug, and Owen, if you guys don't know. I'm a big found footage guy. I'm a big sucker for found footage. If you look at like my letterbox stats where it's like movies rated higher than average, most of them are found footage films. Um, I just absolutely love that style of filmmaking. I think it makes for such just a fucking uncomfortable experience, and I think uh, M. Night excelled in it completely just basically putting a camcorder in the hands of a children 
um, and letting uh, the, these children kind of guide this story, which I just think makes this such a more um, tense and haunting experience because you're kind of watching this found footage film through the eyes of a child. Um, and you're kind of like reacting to what they're reacting to in a way that a child would react to it, which is to scream and cry and be a very, very fucking scared. Um, this is also one of those movies uh, where I think um, M. Night excels in comedy more than any of his other films. That's some I, funny shit. I think there are just so many iconically, iconically hilarious lines. Um, one of the grandparents asks this kid why his pants are so low, and he looks at her dead in the eye, and he goes, I rap. I cried at that, that line. No, that's so funny. That kid is so cool. Yeah, that kid was just, like, so cool, but he was just, like, it was, like, so middle school, early onset SoundCloud rapper vibes, yeah. which I thought was just fucking hilarious. No, um, yeah. But I find yeah. it really interesting, George. This is your number one because I feel like the visit for me. I like the visit. I have a three point five. I, I think the visit's good. I think it's a cool film. But I think the visit sits in this like fine line where it's not like an uh, the happening, or but it's not like a signs where there's no real strong opinions attached to it most of the time. I think both, most people just identify it as like a decent film, which is what I see. So I'm I'm kind of surprised to see this as your number one, but then I'll get I'm Knox and I'm much you love found footage. But again, I think it works, man. I think it's I think it's I think it's quite scary at points. I think it's comedic. I think the elements really work. I think it's a unique style I, I enjoyed. And yeah. I remember, you know, not to harp on the twist with, with M Night, but I think the twist in this one really actually works for me. And yeah. I, I think this is a just a cool little fun watch. That, and that's that, also um, another itself. thing with M Night. Um and again, obviously I see M Night's filmography a bit differently than the three gentlemen at the bottom of the screen, but this is the one movie that like genuinely like resonated with me. Like I was thinking about this movie for a while after having seen it. I started recommending it to people literally the second that the end credits started rolling. I was texting people. I was like, "Dude, you got to watch the visit." I remember uh, I immediately DM Sydney and I was like, "I cannot believe I'm about to say this, but I think I just love." Yeah, shout out Sydney. I was like, I think I just loved an M Night movie, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, again, it's also one of my five M Night three and a halves. Um, so like, all five of those movies are very interchangeable for me. I I, I like them all uh, a, a good chunk. I will say my one and two and my number two is split. I go back and forth on those being one and two quite often, but. At the end of the day, I'm just such a sucker for found footage. I think it's just such a creative and and just hauntingly realistic way to tell a horror. Uh, it's to tell a so, no, it's George, yeah. we have a friend and frequent uh, co-host on our podcast that that he 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 comes on a lot of episodes. Okay. Um, he, I was talking to him last night because I was I was telling, and he also listens to your guys' podcast Who a lot. It? Um, uh, his name. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's Rough yeah. Take. It's Max. Okay, yeah, um yeah, High yeah. Five Every Soul Alive and yeah. Rough Take on uh TikTok. Uh he um he he does listen to your guys' podcast a lot. I was talking to him last night, um bec- and I was telling him that like, oh yeah, like you know, we're going on uh, Real Talk tomorrow morning to talk about M Night. And he told me to ask you um why you act like you like horror when you don't like horror movies. <laughs> yeah, I mean you... I love horror movies. <laughs> yeah, no, he was like yeah, I don't know. Last night he was so funny. He was like, "That man does not like horror movies," and he keeps pretending he does. His last like I... thirty logs on Letterboxd are nothing but horror. Right now. <laughs> Why do I Probably not? the main thing me and George speak know. about? Honestly, yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? I love. I don't know. I don't know. I just thought. Well, I just wanted I... to bring that. I thought that was a good time to bring I it up. Got like uh, a favorite <laughs> horror I, film that George I... didn't like or something. Yeah. 
That's I guess I, I guess I don't love movie. horror. I guess I guess I'm wasting my time <laughs> watching all yeah, these movies horror. and rating them highly. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just wanted to throw that out there because but. that's something he wanted me to bring up, and he does listen to your guys' podcast. Um, well, shout uh, out him. Yeah, yeah shout, shout out, out shout him. him. <laughs> yeah, shout he's out. A, he's a true fan, by the way. He <laughs> no, really... he does listen to your guys' podcast. <laughs> I guess that's how it podcast more than I think any podcast. <laughs> yeah, he talks about as he should. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, well he's he, on he ours a lot. To, yeah, he listens yeah, to every but... episode of ours, but he listens <laughs> to every episode of your podcast. Yeah, well. He doesn't yeah. tell us about ours. He tells yeah, us about he talks about <laughs> Well, then that's that's what, that means he's listening to this right talk. now. So, so comment why you think George is. Yeah, why do I know? <laughs> do <we need laughs> I think, huh? I Damn, think in I the past, it would be like we would watch some horror movie that would be like not like entirely loved by everyone, and it would you would always have like a negative rating towards it. Yeah. Um, I don't kind I mean, of pulling this back to the visit. Yeah, <laughs> there, there are definitely horror movies out there I don't like. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, you didn't like Skin and Marink. That was a big one. Oh, right. Yeah, that shit was doo-doo. Shout out Skin and Marink. Shout out Kyle Edward Ball. I mean, we, uh, we would need a whole friend of the pod. podcast. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. We're not we are not getting into Skin and Marink right now. <laughs> we can I will say, um, Kevin has really strong opinions about uh, Deanna Dungan. Dunnigan, uh the the lead oh, grandma in this movie. <laughs> no, we are not talking about this. On, wood. We can talk about this on our podcast. Well, yeah, is, is this a is this a wood about... moment? <laughs> yes, yeah, very much so for Kevin. Crazy. <laughs> on the record, well, um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak on a podcast that's gonna get way more. Views. Gonna, <laughs> we um, speak about shit. You is it like a situation like that episode of The Office where they made up that movie with Jack Black and that grandma and they had that? You, you can't do that office. episode. You can't do Office references with me. Oh, you don't. <laughs> It. okay um, um it's just uh no comment but you guys know <laughs> the real one the real ones now real real k meeks heads know yeah <laughs> all right we'll, we'll move on to split so one year after the visit uh 17 uh, years after uh or no sorry 15 years 16 years after unbreakable so kind of revisiting that universe um with what obviously everyone knows james mcfoy's performance is absolutely incredible uh, I, I made the take on the podcast the other day that i think like any competent actor would be viewed as very incredible in that role just because they, they're given so much range in the writing and it's kind of hard that if you're not if you're like a really good actor i think anyone like joaquin phoenix i think would have like killed that role or any any strong actor i agree but, I think so, Wacky Phoenix so is like a bad example because like Wacky Phoenix is so high. I, I do think James McAvoy is like the real yeah. idea. I don't think James McAvoy gets his flowers enough. Yeah, I think James McAvoy is kind of like. I think everyone awesome... gives him his flowers for that movie, though. Not enough. They do. They do for that film. This is kind of like an all-time performance, I think. I, just, I yeah. do think he's and really she, good here. You know what? I kind of disagree. I'm going to push back on your on your on your point a little bit. I think that if it was a different actor, maybe even a be- like traditionally a better actor in this role, I think it might have been I think it might be worse. I think it might it might be worse. I think because James McAvoy I think is very well casted because when like James McAvoy in like the shaven head, he's such a blank slate. He's such just a fucking like default video game character white guy that he, that it, like he allows him yeah, yeah, yeah that it allows him to like transform into all these different characters and it be kind of, of interesting. Um, if it were Walking like... Phoenix, Walking Phoenix already has that like baseline character, you know. Yeah. That is like he. I think it would be harder for him to chameleon like the James McAvoy NPC like blank slate. I don't. know, Anyways, but this like is, a Sims uh, character kind of thing. I know. Yeah, yeah like this a Sims character my... or like Starfield. You open up Starfield. That's like, the first thing you see is the James first... McAvoy in the like, yeah. character. Yeah. <laughs> This is my James McAvoy and Split. I think is what I, what I consider to be the best performance in any M Night movie. Valid. Yeah. I, I think, think a lot of people would agree with that. Man. I thought yeah. he was. I think ninety nine point nine percent people would agree with that. Yeah, I think he's fucking brilliant in the movie. He, he his performance in that movie is the reason why I hold that movie so highly. Even though I do think it's a very 
uh, intriguing movie, an intriguing concept. It's my number two ranked uh, M. Night film. But James McAvoy just stunned me in that film. I think it's great. I think it's number three for me. I really, really like Split. I think it's fantastic. Like, I, Split is one of those films where it hasn't kind of gone down for me over time. The first time I watched it and I've watched it again and again, like, I think it's really, really good. Um, but yeah, like, Jake is amazing. Kind of towards the bottom for me, I'm not going to lie. Is it? Yeah. What's, what's well, it's your like rate? in the middle. It's like in the middle for me, actually. It's in the middle. I give it a three and a half. Oh, so no. Um, yeah, that's too far from me. Yeah, yeah, I give it. Uh, me and Doug are on the same <laughs> wavelength right now. <laughs> no, my twin over here, real. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I. I I hated it when the first time I saw it, not the movie, but the end end scene, but I, I kind of love it now because it's so funny. Like, it's clearly, like, to me, just sarcastic take on superhero movies where it's like, like, the reveal of David Dunn in the bar at the end was so corny and dumb and, like, so silly. Yeah, but I feel like that's just like the sequel. I, yeah, I feel <laughs> yeah. like that's, like, the whole, like, I feel like that's kind of what he's, like, going for there, where it's like every superhero movie ends with, like, a big reveal of like what's where we're going next and like that's what when i was in the bar i just like facepalm like that's like such a silly way to tie in david dunn yeah. but so knowing funny. and again the the three gentlemen at the bottom can correct me if i'm wrong knowing m Knight, i feel like that was his take on like making fun of the fact that everything is like a, a connected universe right. yeah. every like uh like like m Knight just feels like he was it feels like he had an entire script written without that ending scene and he's like yeah. you know what um let's just fuck with people right no, now i think so that he the, had an idea for glass the Did character he? the character yeah. of that james mcavoy plays was originally written into the unbreakable script like oh, in 2000 and they cut that shit from the role of the whole movie because like it was like maybe you don't need him because he was maybe like Joaquin Phoenix need... would have been the one to play him then if it came yeah. out back then. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it's because possible. Yeah. It was more of like a thing where it's like you have uh, Glass and you have David Dunn, and it's like in a traditional superhero film or something, you would have another kind of antagonist to be the brute, and you you get touch on that later in Glass. But M Night was like, we don't need that. We it's more focused. So they just cut him, and then they he had that idea, Except and he one. later used it. And I, I think this is, I think the whole, like, David Dunn appearing at the end is, like, one of the only times that, like, one of those, like, cheesy, like, superhero ending things works for me. Because I think the the movie before it was just so, you know, good that it, like, everything kind of, it just, I don't know, that's one of those that scenes that I, I think is silly, but I think it also kind of is a pump-up scene. Well, and really, it's also 16 yeah. years later which makes it even like funnier that's like oh yeah, yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's the same thing well uh, i think yeah it's a weird yeah. thing where it's like he just kind of had that idea and then he kind of just revisits visits later but it was always was so kind of a part of the of curve with unbreakable story. in yeah. some ways and now it's like now that superhero movies fucking dominated the culture like like 15 fucking world championships straight like strangle holding the movie culture um he was like wait we, we can like we can do more. something with this actually yeah, it's very much because i know he like mortgaged his house for the visit or yeah like, yeah it was because yeah, yeah, yeah. he did it the last airbender and after like he's coming off this like critically like pan stretch no actually so... the visit was his biggest i think like in terms of like because visit was self-financed and this is like yeah. for, starting at the visit he self-financed the rest of his that movies was, that was the all first the way. Film yeah yes yeah, yeah, yeah and now he self-finances all of his movies he was, yeah. uh, we talk about him in a hole and lady in the water just like emotionally but you you have like three more pans after that he's in a place where it's like all right fuck studios right i'm going to mortgage my house and put my money where my mouth is sort of thing so you have that on myself and then it's like split is like okay we're 2016 superheroes at an old time what's like a fire bet here um oh i have this like whole ass character i wrote in 2000 i can make a movie about this guy 
Um, mm-hmm. And then there's that split. There you go. That yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know that that character was already like I didn't, an idea well, I didn't, that he had like yeah. pen to paper on already. That's very interesting. Because I, yeah. I truly like just knowing M. Night's like, I guess like satirical prowess. I feel like I had gone into uh, uh, Split and when I saw the ending, I was like, that ending was not there initially. He tossed that in just to <laughs> yeah. say, like, fuck you. Well, to, like, I, I very MCU much think, because, like, I think a lot of people still think that. I think that is, like, a very uh, normal thing to yeah. think. Because it is, it is kind of just thrown in there at the end. You also said it's, like, a fuck you. I think I, mean, I will talk about it when we get to Glass. But, like, I think there's a, if you want to call it that, I think there's a bigger, like, kind of fuck you moment in Glass that I think is really cool. Like, fuck you to, like... Oh yeah, general audience of yeah. like superhero glass fans. Is- I think Glass does something really cool that I really really like. Glass is so interesting. Glass is like Glass is yeah, an anti-superhero movie. Yeah, that's what I was building in, in this great location um and then the climax just happens outside of like the the building that the whole movie's taking place yeah. in really um like they just never make it to this location and it's such a like anti-superhero moment to like hype up this like huge event and then just have it not happen <laughs> um like yeah. it still happens technically but just not in the setting you'd expect and Glass not a... looking the way you'd expect it to it's like it's, it's like it's like we're building up an oppenheimer to a bomb but then when they push the yeah. button the bomb just like fails and doesn't no it literally is like that yeah yeah or no it's not even it's so cool no it's like it's like they're driving to the bomb spite and then there's like a there's a traffic stop and they have to get out and they're like hold on buddy that's like more like with glasses like yeah, yeah. and then oppenheimer like leaks the bomb information to like russia and then like russia yeah and then they're like the bomb the was no, no, and then it's like they tell Oppenheimer the bomb was never real, actually. Yeah. And then, and then at the end of the movie, they're like, "Did you really think that the bomb was never real?" And yeah, Glass is cool. Yeah. That's a good movie. Yeah, yeah no, Glass, Glass is, is awesome. I like Glass more than Split, to be fair. Glass really? is my favorite of the three. Yeah, Split is my I... least favorite of the three. Glass, I like Glass more. I think Glass is like such a mess, but I really like it. At the same it time. is. That's kind it of part of the appeal. It, it yeah. being a mess is kind of part Messes of the appeal. No, no, I like it. I like that it's a mess, but I think yeah. for a general audience watching it, I can definitely see why Glass is the least favorite of the three. Oh, because well, it, it makes sense so, for this I just movie think it's to, so be, to come out when it did and everyone, you know, I think a lot of M. Night hate is more of like, hey, I want the movie to go this way, and he did yes. not go that way, and he, now yeah, I'm mad. He doesn't yeah. follow a normal pattern of what they expect well, from a general film. Yeah, it's, well, it's like, there's so much subversion in film, and there's so much, like, you know, subverting the viewer's expectations, but it feels like when M. Night does it, it's like, hey, you can't do that, man. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, the um, end, I, Glass is overhated. I know you guys probably all dislike Glass, right? Um, other know, than Seth, maybe. I, don't, I don't hate it. It's a two and a half for me. Uh, I, I definitely don't hate it. I think I just came off of the high of Split just by how much I liked it. Yeah, um, I think Split is much better. I've got a 3.5. Um, but I uh, prefer Split and Unbreakable. Well, to, to, yeah. to the folk that hold Glass a lot higher and Unbreakable a lot higher to me than me, do you prefer M. Knight's little superhero trilogy or Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy? Raimi's. Oh, Raimi. Raimi's uh, Raimi's Although Unbreakable, I think, is m- maybe the best of all four, to be honest. Okay. I like that I might I think might be a better filmmaker than Sam Raimi, but I don't think yeah. there's a single human being on planet Earth that understands what a superhero is more than Sam Raimi. Yeah. I feel like, like, uh, like Spider Man Two is better. Just yeah, like yeah, I think all three of those Raimi movies are kind of perfect. Um, but I I think Glass is really special. 
Uh, I think when we talk about James McAvoy's performance in Split, while he gets way more time and way more to do in Split, I think there's like some of his best scenes are in Glass. Yeah, I yeah. think that whole ending with Anya Taylor Joy, it never fails to like get me emotional. I think that scene is terrific. Um, the last great like Bruce Willis performance, even though he doesn't get so much to do, um, this is like this last good movie. Yeah, um, it is, and if you look at his filmography, it really is his last good movie. Like, not even yeah, like he's like, done some yeah, really, and really bad stuff. I, I don't know this. I think this movie's really interesting. Talk about one location again. He uses one location to his strength, also to kind of subvert the narrative. Yeah, one of, location to a lot of people would argue weakness in Glass for people that don't yeah. like it at least. You know, like <laughs> but it's like, hey, let's do a like a superhero movie in like what 2018 and make it one location. One location. <laughs> it's, it's like when like, 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 War, like yeah, yeah. It's so anti like what you know. It's interesting for the guy to make Unbreakable in 2000 to make a superhero movie. You know, almost two decades later and kind of now knowing like what the thing has like the entire genre i guess what has become um yeah. and use that to his advantage i think this movie's really interesting um and it's towards the top of my m night thing tyler do you have any class thoughts yeah so for me unbreakable is just like so high on the list so just talking about the trilogy so unbreakable is so high on my m night list that i just love it so much that it'd be hard for any of them to top it and split i just think james mcavoy's performance is so great in it that i think glass like it was gonna be hard for glass to not end up in last place but i don't think it's because i think it's a bad movie i just hold the other two higher than it splits like barely above it unbreakable like clears the other two for me yeah um, I, split- I agree Split as split as my favorite one of my favorite like sequences or scenes of an M Night movie, which is like when McAvoy's crawling on the ceiling, punching out the light bulbs. I think it's like one of the coolest shots ever. That was just like so terrifying. Um, But yeah, Glass to me is very forgettable compared to Split and Unbreakable. Like I watched all three of them around the same time, and I feel like I could talk to you guys about scenes from Unbreakable and and Split and and Mm -hmm. dive into it. Whereas Glass, I just don't really have that same recall with. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I d- it's a three star for me, so it's a positive rating. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I just cared more for what, Unbreakable. Just clears the other two for me, and I split. I think is just a little not carried by Backboy's performance, but that's what like elevates it to a higher level for me. And then Glass, I just thought was like a very like very fine movie. I guess I, I just didn't really get any love from it. I would. I and for and we're talking about eras. I think that now we are in the the new. Night era. I would even say like prime era. Pr- no. I, like I, th- no, I would, I would legitimately say like the way I would personally break it up. I would be like the visit split in glass is one era, right? And now we're entering a new era with old rock of the cabin, and that new era is peak M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> M is peaking. Let's, let's jump into that. So I'll, I'll start with old for um so. Old is like, like I said, for the happening, like, so the two movies that I kind of removed myself from, because this is like the first movie I literally ever logged on Letterboxd. And for reference, for reference, like, uh, I watched Alien with, with my fiance, like right, right after old. And I gave Alien like a seven out of 10. Then I rewatched it, gave like a 9.9. So it's like when I first, I never rated movies before. It wasn't like Cam who like already rated movies on a spreadsheet and then like input them into Letterboxd. Like I never like gave ratings. So like all my first, like. 50 reviews honestly just have like an asterisk by him because like i just rated I, like because like fargo and alien i remember rating like low but i like loved them but i was like oh like i gotta save my high ratings for other movies and then like i rewatched them like you were doing no, that these are like it was cool yeah was i was 
But yeah, then I rewatched some of the movies that I watched originally and had such a low score. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, these are way better movies than I rated them credit for. So Old was like the first movie ever. I saw it in a drive-in theater, so it's like hard to get a full immersive Ooh. experience. Um, yeah, because we, we went to drive-in every... When we lived in Dallas, there was a drive-in like 20 minutes from us, and every single weekend we would go, which is honestly like just such like... It's, it's a, not the best to be immersed in a movie, but one of the best like movie-going like overall experiences is a dying form, but I freaking love drive-ins. Um, but we saw this at drive-in. Very first movie I logged and rated. So like, and I haven't watched it since. I need to rewatch it. So right now I have a 2.5 stars. Realistically, I think it's probably more 3, 3.5 because I did come away from it liking it. But I, I don't know. It was my first movie I ever logged and I haven't revisited it. So I'll kind of end the discussion there. But I did like old. It was a definitely a fun movie I had to drive in to see with like an audience of people that reacted quite differently to when the movie ended. But um, I think yeah, I'll kick it over cool. you guys. I'm Old is my yeah. favorite M Night movie. Is it your number one? Wow. Yeah, it is. How many my times have you one. seen it? I've only, I've only seen, seen it. Once. I've only seen it once. Oh, <laughs> straight wow. up. Really? Yeah, I was gonna rewatch it a third time before I, I, the podcast, but I didn't get enough time. Yeah, to I was gonna. I, I swear to God, right now, because I, I knew. There'd be I think some I could teach a, like a like a university film course just about this movie. <laughs> like. <laughs> This we, 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 awesome. each week by week is like a it's like five minutes of the movie just like no, week, yeah like, week, each class. No, like two hours on each scene i'm not even joking yeah. dude like i think yeah. you could i think like i don't know what this has on letterbox i think it's like in the two way too low i think the reception to this as like a modern film is everything wrong with the reception to everything um now dude I people think this... talk about this movie like it's a so bad it's good tommy wiseau shit yeah that, dude, that, that pisses I me off that actually like, gets, grinds my ears because what Douglas says, I think he could teach a, a class on this. I think this is like M Night. We talked about I talked about it earlier with the happening. I think this is like again like an evolution of this like weird whatever he's cooking here. But I think he's cooking at like full power here. I think there's so much stuff going on, and I think when you talk about the happening as like the inability to save your family from the earth, and you know you know anything just like whatever is going to attack you happen to you i think this is the inability to save your family from time and i think we're getting an older m night and we are his kids are growing up his daughter worked on this film i think there is a lot of this of like hey he's getting older and time is a real thing and his kind of reflection of time as well as like his reflection of having kids because i think lady in the water is his kids are young so that is his reflection of having young kids and this is his reflection of his kids growing up and now that he knows what that is he can kind of translate that here i think it's a really interesting uh again one location pretty much we're on this beach this whole time um m9 has kind of this um interest in b movies i think this is a very b movie plot um, like go on a beach, the beach makes you old, but I don't think that's a negative. I think that's just more of a style interest thing. I think B movie plot is probably the greatest plot you could ever give a movie. If you're going to make a narrative movie, I think you should make it as weird as possible. Um, so I think old is fantastic. I think this to, is, yeah. to the point of his um, like low letterboxed scores, because for most of his movies, you guys have said like, oh, it's criminal how low this letterboxed yeah. score is. And this is absolutely not a criticism to M. Night. This is actually something I completely respect about him is he's never trying to appeal to the general public he's never trying to hold your hand throughout his films he wants you to think he wants you to to kind of to kind of stretch yeah. your 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 knowledge on how, on how you perceive his films and to the general public that's obviously 
a massive no-go clearly yeah. like they yeah. they don't want that they don't want something like an after earth or a lady in the water and you know i i fall into that category too like i understand what he's going for but they just don't land for me but in the case of old this this is his i think this is his like one of his most least accessible movies because of the one location because of the fact that he's truly just not holding your hand throughout this movie he's not telling you kind of what you should be thinking or how you should be perceiving this movie it's kind of everyone's going to walk away from something like old with a different perception of this film and i think that sort of discourse on an m night film is what causes people to just very quickly you know half star one star one and a half stars yeah let me uh counterpoint though um with the you think it's least accessible it's a beach that makes you old that's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's guess. very it's very accessible in how it's marketed it's just like yeah this well, is the movie about a beach that makes you old yeah and we've talked about that. watch it but, but that's yeah. also the thing the movie was marketed as just a very like standard okay this beach is gonna make you old and then yeah. people go into yeah. it not knowing that m night is not gonna like guide <laughs> you through this movie he's yeah. relying on you to interpret his screenplay however you kind of want to interpret it which is very opposite of the way this movie was marketed, I think. Sure, yeah. All-time marketer, though, I think. We've talked about this before, <laughs> but he is, like, the number one guy of being, like, here's a sentence about my movie, and then now you're going to want to see it. Yeah. Like, many and of and he old. gets people yeah. in the seats. Yeah. <laughs> all That's the benefit reasons. of self-financing, too. He doesn't have to worry about the bottom line for a studio. All of, be... the, all of yeah. these um, recent movies have made tons of money. Like, most of his movies make money, the problem isn't that they make don't make money it is more of critical reception um but yeah old is one of those like hey this is what it's about go see it um yeah i, really I don't want to say a lot about old but because i'm not as high as doug and owen on this movie but uh one thing i did want to say even though it does sit kind of toward the bottom of my list is just that like when i saw old uh when it came out in theaters i i think the person that I was then and how I watched movies then compared to where I'm at now is like when I first saw it, it was exactly at that point where a lot of these things that um, that George was complaining about mostly like with like the dialogue and, and all of that stuff, like that immediately stood out to me. And that's like exactly how I watched this movie. The first time I saw it with my friend, like we laughed the whole time and we were like, this movie is ridiculous and it sucks. And like, why is everybody talking like that? Um, and now after revisiting it and especially after watching his whole filmography and just kind of like, I guess just like my taste changing in general, but especially just like how I view how he makes movies and like what his goals are. I'm like, it's still not high on my list, um, but I've definitely started to come around on it more where I'm like, this stuff doesn't really bother me anymore. And now I watch it and I'm like, oh, this is pretty interesting. It just like kind of falls toward the bottom because a lot of, why Doug and Owen like this movie, like when I go back to his ideas stuff is just not, it's just not one of the ideas that I care about the most, like, like aging and, and all that stuff. I'm like, this is cool. But I think a lot of like, like the happening that I was very passionate about, I'm like, that's stuff that I get more invested in. But I, this is kind of the movie that I've come around on the most. With old, I think that there is uh, one like scene it's kind of it's pretty brief in the movie um but there's like one part of the movie that kind of sums up what i love about m night Shyamalan and kind of like what i love about the movie old 
and it's pretty early on. It's when they go into the hotel, they check into the hotel, right? They get into their hotel room and it's obviously, you know, the parents are having problems and, but the kids like don't know about the problems. Right. And they're, the camera is on like a dolly outside of the hotel room, like looking in through the windows of like the porch. Right. And the camera is like swaying back and forth, rolling back and forth and creating these, um, these, these borders of artifice where like the window stills would be separating like the parents and separating the kids from the parents. And it like, it's, it's, it's like, it's so to me, at least I, I watched that. And I'm like, this is like genius level filmmaking. Like this is like, this guy's operating on a fucking plane. Like nobody else is on when I look at like stuff like that and how it, like the shots are compositioned or the shots are composed. Um, anyways, that's old. <laughs> George, what do you, what do you give old? I give it a two and a half, but again, Oh, that's high. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I <laughs> never, never. Been I really old. thought you. Yeah, I really thought you were uh, about to say one. <laughs> no, no. I've, I've never been like a, a glorified old hater the way I am with like the happening and Lady in the Water. Okay. <laughs> um, and Seth, Seth, you give it a three, right? Yeah, three. I'm, I, I don't like it. I, it's not something I have huge feelings about. Like Kevin, it's not a topic that I like mm-hmm. care deeply about. But I think it's cool. I think it's cool. Yeah. Well, then that brings us to his latest film, Knock at the Cabin. Obviously, yeah. came out in like February this year, early, early, early 2020. Yeah, early. Um, and uh, stars Dave Batista, stars uh, Ron from Harry Potter, <laughs> Ron Weasley. <laughs> Yo, gotta, you gotta do him <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's just, it's just funny. Like I was, I was bummed out that he was killed off. So I was like, damn, I want to see more Rupert. Spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. This is a very new movie and we're going to spoil it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this came out the, early this year. And for me, honestly, like weirdly enough, like for me, this is the most by the book. It felt for me for knock at the cabin. Like this is a movie. Like when I was watching, I was like, I feel like the next scene's going to go like this. And then it went like that. And then the entire movie went like that. And then it ended. I was like, that's kind of just exactly how I expected it to go. So like, I was a little disappointed from that front. I still liked it. I think I have a three and a half star. So I still liked it. I just wasn't blown away by it. I just felt like it kind of went exactly as I expected it to. And then I know it's based off a book called uh, Cabin at the End of the World. I was going to say, have um, any of you guys read it or are you aware of the book? Cha- I'm, like I'm the aware of it. Yeah, he changed okay, basically the entire ending of the book. But yeah. the first two thirds of it are mostly an adaptation. And then he kind of just... He kind of does the opposite, pretty much, of the ending. Um, but again, I didn't read the book and I have like an attachment to it. I yeah. did think the book's ending was interesting, like reading up on it. But yeah, yeah. for me, knocking the cabin was good. I thought the performances were, were really great. Camera work was awesome in this. Some of the shots in this are absurd. Yeah, best, some best, of the, best shot of the year. The um, you know, the one with the, the axe. With... Or no, the one with the, the reflection. The reflection. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, next yeah. bit. That's so, oh, yeah, that's cool. yeah. That yeah, but, shot is that. That's what I mean when I'm like, this guy's operating on a different fucking level. That I, shit yeah, is I crazy. Just don't think any like it's really it's silly to see him always like at the bottom of like lists or whatever because I really don't think there's many people working today that are this talented, <laughs> especially visually. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I need someone to enlighten me. Like, why? Did, why did I think? Like, what am I missing? Because I just thought oh, this was so like, cookie cutter for me. So passionate about this. Movie. Yeah, let's hear it. I, no, like, I mean, it's not at the very top of my ranking, but I think when I rewatch this one, I'm gonna be like, this might be my favorite one because I recently had a lot of discourse about it, and I remember. <laughs> I'm not gonna get into the to the details of no, the conversation. Dude, dude, but dude, dude, I, dude. <laughs> okay. Um, I was talking to somebody, and they said that they hated this movie. Um, and then I sent them like a pass 
passionate five minute voice message about why <laughs> I loved it. And mid voice message, I like had to stop myself from crying because of how much I'm into this movie. Um, and they never talked to me again. We haven't talked since. But, was this like a, a, a date perhaps? Yeah, this is a dating app. Experience. Oh, gotcha. That is, is so fucking um, funny. And to be fair, it's even it's a little bit even more hurtful because this was a dating app experience that wasn't going to lead to a date. She made it very clear that she just wanted to be friends. And even on a friendship level, she heard me talk about knock at the cabin. And <laughs> she was like, no way. Well, that's um, it. Yeah. I'm done with Kevin. <laughs> but um, no, I just like I, I think some of the stuff that we talked about for his previous mo movies, obviously, like how much of an optimist he is and how um emotional i find some of his movies i just think he's like operating at the highest level in terms of that stuff in this movie because it's just like it's so uh, doug mentions the book and i know that the book has a different ending than the movie and i think that that kind of explains why this is so good because it shows m night as like yeah. the optimist and as like this super empathetic person that he is because it's it's just a movie about leaving the planet a better place for your children which like to me is such a beautiful thing because we see like we i compared it to the happening obviously like the climate change stuff it's like people not really caring about the damage that's done to the planet and and to see an older generation actually take responsibility for what's going to happen to a younger generation and specifically in this situation it's a father daughter relationship um it's just like so yeah i don't know it's just like it's just really touching like it just makes me cry thinking about it I'm like love, that's so sweet i love the way that you look at an m night film because i remember i had seen m night uh i had seen knock at the cabin and then like a week later it was when it was released theatrically and all of my coworkers had gone to see it um and i remember this so clearly the first thing one of my coworkers said because i had told him that i enjoyed uh, knock at the cabin and I'm kind of like right there uh, with Kevin in terms of like, if I rewatch this movie, this could very well jump to like my number one M night uh, in the ranking. I really did like it a lot. Um, but my coworker looks me dead in the eyes and goes, bro, I don't know how you like that movie. I feel like I just watched a Reddit thread come to life in the worst way possible. I, I had almost the exact same experience. I, like, I had literally almost the exact same experience. I had like, like in my head, I'm like, oh God, am I really about to like defend M night for 10 minutes and like talk to him <laughs> about like what like M night is actually trying to say in his films or should I just leave it at? reddit thread come to life <laughs> yeah well that's what i learned is that getting too passionate about these movies from my voice message experience i'm like getting too passionate <laughs> about these movies is maybe not a good idea maybe we just need to like let people who who hate on him just like kind of for, <laughs> like... for for kevin doug and owen is is knock at the cabin your all of your number ones of the year right now no it's not my number one of the year. I think oh, it's, only, it's mine though it's no, owens i believe no, 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 it no. is owens yeah okay it's not mine not is yours Oppenheimer? Believe it or not. Yeah, mine is Oppenheimer. Mine yeah. Oppenheimer. Our yeah. directors I like more than M. Night, <laughs> shockingly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything with Tom Cruise is going to probably take president. To <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, well, you already know, brother. <laughs> yeah. um, Seth, where, where, where did Knock the Cabin land for you? This year? Like, in terms of your M. Night rankings. Oh, in terms of M. Night. So it's uh, fifth. So I, again, there's a force of me. I think I think it's really, really good. I, I really enjoyed this and I defend this quite a lot. Um, I think this could be really high i actually think uh in my year ranking as well i think it's in the top kind of seven or eight ish but i've not seen as much this year as yeah. um a lot of it's people. number five I, for the year for me right for now the year. 
Yeah, number five yeah, for the year. Mine, mine's around the same. I think it's like it's seven. One for the year, three for M Night in total. Okay. Three for M Night. I didn't know it was the high few. Yeah, I think oh, this movie is really. <laughs> yeah, so um, prime era, prime era. Yeah, I think we're really operating in like a high yeah, level actually. where I don't see him like stopping. I, I'm Bro, so his next movie that. might be like one of the you know like top two fifty like, potential movie, movie put on the side and sound list. No, it's no, it's, it's a concert, 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 yeah. concert. concert. So yes. he has he has two movies this decade. Both of them are in the top ten of this decade for me. I think um, Knock the Cabin is really interesting because I know Tyler, you said it was kind of cookie cutter, and then. George mentioned, I think, in old about like not holding your hand, and I think a lot of people I saw complain that this movie held your hand held too, your much. too much. That, I, that's what uh, I and I like hate yeah. to admit this because it does make me sound like a crazy like film bro and like general <laughs> audience member, but I think that's why I like Knock the yeah. Cabin as much as it as much which as I, I do because which... it's not like typical like. M. Night fuckery, I guess. And I don't say it in a bad way. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I know. I know like, the mean. entire movie, I'm like, what is he going to do? What is he going to do to piss me off? Because, like, for the first, like, hour 15, I'm like, there's no way I'm yeah. liking an M. Night movie as much as I like this movie. Yeah. So I'm like, what is he going to do to ruin this experience <laughs> so for me? You and guys, he never did anything. You guys know what, like, the like the book ending is, right? No, um, I do Because not. I think, I think George, I think if the movie ended, which it never... If an M. Night movie would never end like this, and that's yeah, why... Because no he wasn't going to... Dir- Okay, some inside baseball about this movie, real quick. Uh, he, um, M. Night was only going to produce. This was like his production company was going to make this movie because they, they, um, his production company got the rights to the book, got the film rights to the book, right? And he was going to produce it. Um, and I think it was kind of like he was, he might have been a co-writer, he might have just been doing passes over the script or whatever. But he wasn't like the main writer, who and he wasn't going to direct. He was just going to produce it. Um, and then like some stuff happened. I think somebody approached him and was like, "You should really direct this movie. This seems like like something you would do." And he was like, yeah, I mean, I, I like the, I like I really like some of the ideas here. Um, but he but then part of him directing it was saying, like, I have to completely rewrite it. I have to rewrite it because the movie is too pessimistic. The end of the book, the, the daughter dies. And at the end of the book, they kill the daughter and then nothing happens. And then the world ends. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> that that would have been the M Night fuckery that removed me from the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he would never do that. Yeah, he would never do that. It's, it's way it's too so anti what he's all about. Yeah, yeah. That's um, interesting. I did not know the book ended like that. That's kind of wild. So so yeah. laws on fear, isn't it, Doug? Yeah, like part. like Lord, yeah. let's like so let's like fucking you he know like nymphomaniac. Yeah, exactly. Like some of that. That's interesting. Yeah, no, but unlike the cookie cutter stuff, I think it's like I don't know. I'm just so removed from even thinking about stuff like that. I think. Um, it's like, I, I don't really care, I guess, where it's going or, you know, what it, I don't know. It's more of, I think, but again, I, I don't say like cookie cutter or like, you know, he's holding your hand in like a bad way, but like, just from like my perspective as someone who never like has felt attached to an M night (laughs) film the way you guys do, it's just, it's, it's. No, it's something I enjoyed watching, like watching a lot of people did have that as like a negative. And I, I, but I, just, I don't know. I'm not really worried about him. <laughs> I don't, but I don't think he's holding our hand necessarily in this one as much as people would like to it, kind of yeah. point out. It is because I think, yeah. Go on. Yeah, yeah, go on. Oh, um, I just, I think there's just like a lot of stuff really in the forefront, and there's a lot of like it's easy to follow, right? But I just think there's so much more to the film than what is at the front. So I, I think this is a movie that you could very easily watch. And get like the very surface level, surface level enjoyment idea of it. Whereas some of the other movies, people could be a little more confused. 
but I just think there's a lot more to this movie. And I think he's kind of operating at this like crazy level where he can both hold the hand of someone that needs it, but also like kind of have this explosion in the back room. But But it is funny though how like the same people who are saying he held your hand too much with this one, it was basically whatever the usual criticism. The same people who criticize him for for doing things other filmmakers don't do. And I think which is why I think. If Knock at the Cabin was released under like a different name, it'd no, probably I, I said be that more. Well. Yeah, I, yeah, 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 it's just because it's like I think at that point when we're like, oh, he's holding my hand here, he's not holding my hand here. It's like, all right, come on, like <laughs> this is really not. Like, what are we That's talking about? I wanted to tie it into back to Tyler C. Whitmore over here, um, <laughs> because he was he was he asked like, oh, like what am I missing? And I think with Knock at the Cabin specifically, I think that it's like to really get out of this movie you just have to have fucking loads of empathy for these characters you know it's like if you don't have loads of empathy for these characters and i think that um the movie's doing like a lot to help you feel that way from like the way that it's shot yeah. where like you feel every fucking inch I'm, of dave batista's face well. like ben in the cast yeah, yeah. And really wonderful, but oh there's so much there's so many close-ups yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. I think I think Dave is great. There's yeah, one thing so about... we spoke about this yesterday. Yeah, he's really good. There's one thing about M Knight's like uh, the way he shoots his films that I want to get your perspective on because I've noticed in a lot of his filmography, a lot of his there are very interesting shot selections where like, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do it with my camera, not my camera, but like the person's like down here off to the side. Yeah, like he, they're never like the focal point of, and I like I noticed it in a happening. I noticed it in Lady in the Water when I watched it. Same thing with the Village. There's very like interesting shot selections where like anyone who doesn't understand M Night's filmography will look at that and be like, that is a bad shot. Like the man, like there was one shot knock at the cabin. I remember watching this uh, when I saw it in theaters because my first thought was people are gonna hate that shot. It was literally a shot of Rupert Grint and like half of his face was like here. Like out like of off the camera, screen. right? Yeah, yeah, like off yeah. camera. I know what shot you're talking about. That's a cool shot. Yeah, <laughs> but like yeah, what? That what pretty awesome. What What is the point of like those types of shot selections? Like, why is he like limiting like his like I guess characters it's, it's, in the movie? I can't speak for M Night specifically. Um, I think that. Um, but I think that in general, like, uh, and obviously, like each individual shot has its own meaning, right? Yeah. But I think that in general, overall, I think M Night. And we've, we've kind of, like, alluded to this a couple of times over this uh, podcast episode. But I think M. Night is very much, like, a like a, like a spatially focused uh, filmmaker. Yeah. But, like, spatially not in just, like, like the space of the frame, which he is also that. But, I mean, like, like the physical space in which the narrative takes place, where, like, yeah. locations are really important. I mean, yeah. we talked about even, like, the movie he just wrote, Devil. That's a movie that takes place in a fucking elevator, right? Yeah. And it's, it's like, amazing it's all... at, like, utilizing, like, rooms and, yeah. like... Every, yeah yeah um yes. and knock at the cabin that's like it's it's the movie's called knock at the cabin right it's all about this fucking cabin that they're staying at um old is the beach that makes you old it's all on the speech yeah. it's like you all can... of his movies are all about these locations like yeah. these locations are always like are like the main character of the movies really and right. most of his movies at it's least. Got you, can, you can picture where... the exact space you're yeah in. it's yeah. Yeah. like you have an understanding less of the characters and where they are I think that's like one of the things where I gravitate towards him and I one of like my biggest gripes with like modern filmmaking is like the overuse of shallow focus and like the, the uh, loss of last like, voyage of the Demeter like oh my god <laughs> even I was watching I was watching a movie yesterday and it, I like the movie and I think it's shot fine but there's just little scenes where there's shallow focus that just annoys me because I think we're so focused on the actors and what they're doing 
and we it's way less focus on like where they are and what the environment is and what people are doing in the back that's a big issue i have with fucking ahsoka too bro they use the they use like um that what's that bullshit called the oh the the volume yeah. the volume and like it also these new stills from um the percy jackson show that's gonna come on disney plus yeah, yeah the, in the percy jackson shows it's really bad where it's like they use the volume and it's obvious that it's just like some brain of bullshit they throw yeah. up on the volume through the actors to put in front of and it's like there's no thought going into the location at all it's like it's I'm, like yeah i always just think about it like painting stuff i'm always just gonna bring it back to painting but it's like i think like if you were gonna have a painting and you have two people in your painting you're not gonna blur the background like there's you're gonna have like things in the background and there's gonna be meaning there and then unless you're like it's just like a blank thing but i i don't know there's it's like it really annoys me when you have two characters and then there's characters in the background and then they're just mush or it's just like you have character and then you have reverse shot reverse shot and it's just a guy and then everything else is blurred a conversation and, blurred in the background yeah I, and i i like where filmmakers will put something there and they want me to look there but I don't like when they're grabbing my eyes and they're pointing me somewhere. I, I, exactly. want, I want to be able to explore the whole image. And I think there's a lot of that in M. Night where I can kind of just dance around in the image where I don't get it in some other filmmakers. Um, yeah. That is like one of the biggest gripes I have with like movies is that'll really bother me. It's like shallow focus stuff. Yeah. Because I um, want, Zach Snyder fan over here, by the way. Talking yeah, about shallow true. focus. I don't, that's my, <laughs> I don't think the army of the dead surf looks that well, but I, I, I don't know. That's another story for another day. No, and, and, and the reason I bring, I asked that question is because there's that like one particular shot from the happening where it's like one person is like here and then yeah. one person is on the complete other side and like half of their faces are both in the screen like here uh-huh. and here I would have and to like look at it. all of the discourse is like this is an actual shot from this movie and it's like okay well it's an M. Night movie so he's going for something yeah. but I understand why that may look like either uh-huh. just a lazy shot or a bad shot to like someone who just isn't familiar with M. Night as a filmmaker I want to talk about just like briefly touch back on to what Seth brought up which is the shot of the year maybe not just shot maybe like the still like the single yeah, yeah. like screen like the, the the screenshot of the year um from uh it's from knocking the cabin that shot was in the trailer that was the, like the ball the fucking massive balls that <laughs> M Night has to put that shot in the trailer that's so crazy and it's so short it's such a fucking like incredible like insanely composed shot it's like you like pause the movie and you look at it and you're like what the fuck is going on here like this is crazy yeah. um and it's for like two seconds. It's so sick. It's well, so that amazing. Was one of those things where it happens so quick. You can you can miss it in the theater. You can miss it, which yeah. is like it's like the coolest thing. And then it's like boom. It's such um, a throwaway shot, but it's like the coolest. Yeah. Shot ever. Oh, it's yes. so good. Yeah. And that's how I feel about like these. That's why when I'm, when I'm like when I'm like prime end night is right now. We're in this yeah. era. It's because I think old and knock at the cabin are these like very conceptual like tight concept movies, right? Um, but then also on top of it, they're so well shot where even like the worst shot in old or knock at the cabin is better shot than like oh, any fucking yeah. Gal Gadot Netflix bullshit. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, yeah, let's like, it's just, I don't know. I don't, I wanted to kind of touch on this cause we've talked about it like the whole time, but even like with the shot selection and, you know, different things, I think there's something like with M night and I think any filmmaker of this like quality, um, I think there's always like this level of like going to anything that he does is looking at it first that it is intentional because i think there's a lot of weird talk about when m night does something and it's like oh he that's not on purpose that wasn't done on purpose and there's like a treatment of like oh it's so bad it's good 
But I, I think you, any shot where they, I haven't, because I'm not, I don't, George was talking about those shots. I'm not remembering them entirely. I'm literally but, trying to Google it right now. Yeah, I know. It's like <laughs> any shot where there's something where it's like, oh, that's interesting. I think there's always like a point of like, okay, so why is this the way it is necessarily? Because it's not like he like showed up and like said, all right, this guy's not in frame or something. Um, so there's, I think that is very interesting about what like everything that he does is very interesting. I think he's always working in this like interesting attempt at trying to do something different um, there. To put to put a bow tie on this. Uh, extended and thoughtful discussion on M night. Let's just go around and do our, our rankings now. So what the order is. So um, I've seen 12 of his films. So uh, starting from the bottom up. So in 12th, I have last airbender 11th wide awake 10, the happening nine after earth eight praying with anger, seven old six glass five, knock at the cabin four lady in the water, three split two unbreakable and one, the sixth sense. And obviously I've not seen signs visit the village. Yeah, those are only three. Yes, um, George, Good. what's what's your rankings? Uh, I go. With, I've seen thirteen. I got uh, Last Airbender at thirteen. The Happening at twelve. After Earth eleven. Ten. Lady in the Water. Old at nine. Glass at eight. The Village at seven. Unbreakable at six. And then Knock at the Cabin. Signs. The Sixth Sense. Split. And the Visit. All right. So I'll wait for Seth to come back. So we'll go to Kevin. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, I have, I've seen 14 of them. I have Wide Awake and Last, then The Last Airbender, then The Visit, then After Earth, then Old, then Lady in the Water, then Split, then Glass, then Unbreakable. And then in my top five, I have The Sixth Sense, Knock at the Cabin, The Happening, The Village, and Signs is my favorite. Okay. Seth, we'll bounce back up to you. We skipped over you because you, you stepped away. Yeah, What's your yeah, M. Night ranking from lowest to highest? Lowest, highest. So I have uh, After Earth, lowest. Lady in the Water, second lowest. The Happening, third. Old, fourth. The Visit. Then I have Glass, The Village, Knock at the Cabin, Sixth Sense, Split, Unbreakable, and Signs at the very, very, very top. Okay. We all have such diverse rankings so far. Yeah, this is, this yeah. is a mess. This is how our, this is how our podcast <laughs> went. Well. We yeah. It wouldn't be fun if we all came on here and we're like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's sick. <laughs> yeah, he's dope as fibers. Mine is, I have, a th- at 13th place, I have The Last Airbender. Then at 12th, I have Praying with Anger. And then I have Lady, with, Lady in the Water. Then I have The Visits. Then I have uh, Splits. Then Glass. Then the sixth sense, then after Earth, then Unbreakable, then the happening, then Knock at the Cabin, then the village, then Signs, then Old at number one. What do you okay. rate the Last Airbender? Sorry if you said it or I that. I give it two stars. Okay. Owen, All right. ranking. Oh, fuck. I got the. 13, so I haven't seen Prime and Anger. And uh, Owen's got all of them at one. They're all tied <laughs> for one. Yeah. yeah. Um, we have The Last Airbender, The Visit, The Sixth Sense, Signs, Unbreakable, The Village, Split, The Happening, and then my top five is After Earth, Glass, Knock at the Cabin, Old, and Lady in the Water. Like the polar opposite to the general audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of us were just all over the place, which is great. That, that was a, that was a very fun, like long extended discussion on M Night uh, diving deep. That's like our first, easily the deepest we ever did. Dive, dove. Dove. Did we all give our rankings? 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did. We, you well, you I skipped our we we went over. Yeah, you missed. You <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was I was gone for like twenty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> but let, let us know down below if you want to see us do another deep dive into into directors filmographies like this. Like we've done rankings before, but we've never gone this deep into one. And it was honestly fun, like going through a whole director. And I'd definitely be down to do it for other directors. Um, I was foolish creating the the outline for this episode because I was like M Night might only take us like an hour. I got to add in some <laughs> stuff. We've been talking. We're, yeah, we're gonna skip right over the other stuff we have planned. Um, so j just for fun, just Owen, I have some ratings. Just I'm just gonna read them off. We're not gonna oh, discuss man. them at all. I'm just gonna read them <laughs> off. Uh, Owen rates Raiders of the Lost Ark a 1.5 star. <laughs> Inception a 1.5 star. Wolf of Wall Street, 1.5 star. He's just George's favorite. <laughs> John Wick, John Wick, one and two, a one star. Yeah, to be fair, like I was, I was prepping for this probably like 1:30 last night, and Owen and George were like my first two letter boxes I was comparing, and I was gonna do for everyone to have like head to head, but I was like, it, I'm recording a podcast in literally three and a half hours. I need to go to bed. Yeah. Um, and then uh, so Doug rates 10 Cloverfield Lane a 1.5 star, where no. Seth oh. is a four star. Really? Sorry. You know my what? bad. Doug rates. No, there's no no allowed to explain yourself. Or <laughs> Doug, Doug rates boyhood a two star. Tyler rates it a 10 out of 10. Everyone Sorry. hates Ooh. the whale, but me, Owen. Well, I said Owen, but all of you hate bullet train. Uh, oh, I do not hate bullet train. Not, all, all of you as well. Oh, okay. Did you yeah. hate Did I what? Yeah. Seth? Did you hate the whale? Sorry. I know. I haven't seen the whale. Oh shit. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's like that. that Therefore the he hates it. Yeah. The whale on the uh, fable. Therefore, yeah. George is like out on the whale. And then of course to end off skin and Marink, all three of you down below. Uh, I, right. All three of you really like it. Love it. I yeah, was lumping I you all in, but I think all three. Yeah, yeah. all of us are very positive. I'm varying degrees of very positive, but we're all very positive. <laughs> I think like, I wouldn't like if it was a short film. I'll just say that. I said, well, here's no a short film called yourself, Peck, Seth. which is a yeah, which is a yeah, short sorry. film. It's gonna break, but it's shorter. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's our episode. They should have made Skinner Rink longer. No, Let me get the. Also, the... this podcast is longer than any M Night movie. Um, Really? Well, he doesn't have any over two hours, does he? Because any really? no, uh, I think he has one that's like two hours and five minutes. Maybe. I think all his movies are pretty short. Yeah, um, but oh, last is over two hours. That's the one. Okay, but before hours. before we sign off, you can find all these guys on TikTok, Letterboxd. Looks like a movie podcast. All their links is going to be right in the description down below. You can see their ads for what they pinned at the beginning of the show on the on screen right now. But all their links to their podcast and their social medias are in the description down below. As you saw from this discussion, like we all have very different like takes and interpretation on films i think is a very fun uh discussion so let, let us know what you all thought about it um, before we wrap up shout out to our patreon people that are executive producers so we got seven mod jeffy alexander biscardi ben leggy ben hansey brody young cody whitney dakota buckner dean katamanidis dylan chip ferdinando ford jimmy o'connor jordan gag josh hines casper new one uh, luke deerhog another new one raheem raheem bait uh, Reese David, Remy Walker, Roka 1.0, Robert, Leo, Gislason, Sean Morales, Stefan Johnson, Trey Artsies, Will Kim, and Zach Graves. Shout out to all of you for being executive producers of the podcast. Again, on Thursday, we'll be uploading our draft of Denis Villeneuve slash Quentin Tarantino duo uh, directed films. Uh, and then on Friday, we'll be doing our Edge of Tomorrow review. So 
Thank Real. you guys, you three, Kevin, Doug, Owen, for joining for this Appreciate lengthy you podcast. Guys. I know that the yeah, NFL season, yeah, for sure. No, it was a blast. We'll, we we got to do another detail. Brian De Palma we'll, ranking, please. That would be a great <laughs> one. For us. I, I will yeah. say that would be That'd very be a seven long. hour episode. We should we should pencil in a Russo brothers deep dive. We could. We could. I would love to be on that. I would love to do Brian De Palma the way you guys normally rank, just like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Well, the NFL season's kicking off in two minutes. So yeah, I, two I, minutes. I know that's where I'm about to run to. But <laughs> uh, great episode today. Thank you all for listening to the whole thing, and we will see you in the next one.